Welcome to the Arms Race, the podcast where we're trying to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history. Currently, we are watching each and every Sylvester Stallone movie. I'm Mike Olson. And I'm Kevin Keenan. Today, we're discussing Over the Top, released by Warner Brothers and Canon Films on February 13th, 1987, starring Sylvester Stallone, Robert Loggia, Susan Blakely, Rick Zumwalt, and David Mendenhall as Michael. Screenplay by Sterling Siliphant and Sylvester Stallone. Based on a story by Gary Conway and David Engelbach, directed by Menachem Golan. The only reason why I know how to pronounce Menachem Golan is because I watched the documentary Electric Boogaloo, The Story of Canon Films, which is a fantastic documentary. You you told me about that. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah, you don't recommend the Death Wish movies, but you recommend that documentary about Canon Films. way more interesting to hear the -the behind-the-scenes stories of the making of Canon Films. I enjoy Canon Films. Like, Canon Films... They made a lot of like really really fun schlocky stuff. You know, they did all of the missing in action movies. They did uh, a bunch of ninja movies. They did Enter the Ninja, Return of the Ninja, American Ninja. Uh, you know, they did those kinds of things in the early eighties. Uh, oh, uh, Invasion USA, which I have praised in the past on this yes. podcast. Yes, you have. Uh, Canon films. Yeah, and the Death Wish movies are terrible, but <laughs> they're schlocky and silly and fun. Um, although objectionable in all sorts of ways, but you have to yeah. kind of get past that. No, in the mid-80s is kind of when Canon Films decided they were going to make more prestigious. Sli- yeah, slick. <laughs> maybe the wrong word, but yeah. H- higher production value, maybe. Yeah, like A pictures, not just B movies. Yeah. Um, and this is among their various attempts to make big-budget movies. Whether it, or not that was successful. I can say this. It was a bigger budget than I thought it was. When I looked it up, I was shocked. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. I, I'm curious to know. We'll get that to that in a second. But uh, you were the one who was excited that I picked this. Oh, I was so excited. And I don't know how you feel, but I, I will tell you, I came into th- I'm coming into this episode very refreshed. Okay. Meaning you like the movie or you like it on an ironic level? Oh, I, I like it in the right way, which is, well, I don't want to give my rating away already, but this, this is exactly... Talk about the movie. Well, this is exactly what I think we needed after Ratchet and Clank. Well, that's true. That I agree with. This, the, for me, this was a lot of fun. It's not a good movie, but it was a lot of fun. Are you saying it's a bad movie, though? Yeah, I, I absolutely think this is a bad movie. See, my reaction surprised me. Because I haven't seen this since the 80s, probably. Maybe really? early 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I, periodically, I'm not saying I would ooh, you know, seek it out. But if it was on, I absolutely have watched this. Okay, I'm Intermittently. It's probably been 15 years, but... Okay. No, I definitely have not seen it since... Relatively close to after. Oh was wow! No, I'm surprised by that. I probably was 12 the last time I watched this movie. Okay. Well, my memory was that it was terrible and boring and stupid, but not in a good way. It was just like that. That movie is stupid and it sucks. Like that was my 12 year old take on this movie. Oh, that was never my take on this, <laughs> even when I saw it when I was younger. Well, I'm curious to get your point of view on what parts of it are fun, like dumb fun. Because my take was kind of the opposite, where I watched this kind of going, A, this isn't as bad as its reputation, and maybe B, I was kind of enjoying it on its own terms. At no point was I saying, this is, I'm enjoying it ironically. I was watching it and saying, like, you know what, I'm enjoying it for what it's trying to be, up to a point. That last third, the final third of the film you are not telling me is fun stupid. Uh, in a lot of ways, it is. Thank you. Well, uh, come on. The fact that it's basically like uh, the last third in particular, it's some of the most egregious. I don't know if product placement. We'll call well, it. That's true. Ad placement. And there's no score. It's basically like one rock video. It's, it's a series of rock videos like spliced together. It's constant rock songs. Yeah. It, it's absurd. But, but in a, a fun way. It's good. You're not wrong. 
Thank you. But I don't know, for some, whatever reason, maybe it's because we're doing this after Ratchet and Clank. We're just like, yeah, this is just an oasis in the desert, kind of like you were <laughs> getting at. I'm glad that at least you, I was afraid you were going to throw your hands up and say, this is the end of the podcast, because this <laughs> no. back-to-back with Ratchet and Clank was so terrible that you just didn't want to do it anymore. No, I think, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as you, but I think I enjoyed it in a completely different way. Because, you know... It, like, this is kind of two movies mashed together in a oh, completely. horribly awkward way. <laughs> completely. Because, um, yeah, there's there's the kind of family drama of estranged father reuniting with his son. And then there's arm wrestling sports movie. Yes, it makes no sense. And it's just awkwardly, kind of bluntly cudgeled together with scotch tape. And I don't even know. Like it, it, To me, it it's just seems like... Well, arm wrestling matches aren't very long, so we're not going to have a lot of long drama on the sports side. So what can we mash together to make an hour and a half movie? That's true. Like Arm wrestling is about the least cinematic sport you could possibly yes. imagine. Like If you were to invent a sport that was specifically designed to be as uncinematic as possible, I don't know if you could do any better than arm wrestling. Because, you know, film is about motion. It's about... Things moving from here to there, and arm wrestling is about two static arms pressing equally and oppositely against each other. Yeah. Yeah, it could not be less cinematic. But I was surprised at how much this movie was able to mix it up and keep the arm wrestling. This movie depicts arm wrestling in a way that is as interesting as possible on film. <laughs> okay. It was, it's a stupid idea to tell this Family, you know, father and son drama using the backdrop of arm wrestling. It's a movie that should not work at all. And the fact that it even works on a small level is astounding to me. Like, I actually am kind of amazed by this movie. It is so much better than it has any right to be. I am, I am with this movie. I'm not laughing at this movie. I actually kind of think it's all right. Oh, all right. Well, I'm not... I, here. <laughs> You're flummoxed by this. I am. I, I did not expect this. This is at good, all. though. We both enjoyed the movie. Yeah, so. and, and on different levels. And I, here's the thing: is that it's not. I shouldn't say it's like stupid fun. It's not stupid, but there's there's well, some, in some ways there's there's a few things that are, and there's some kind of campy, corny things that are fun. But what is surprising? I'll say this: is that Stallone's performance, and I think the family drama. I you know the the child actor isn't great, but you know we've done our best to not pick apart child actors because it's hard. I I don't think he's bad. He's not one of the great child actors. He's just... Yeah. He's a child actor in the way that child... You know, child actors have a particular kind of acting style where they're just kind of... You know, it, you can tell when they're not really talented. They're just kind of like parroting back what... You know, using the technique that they were taught. Yeah. Because they're children. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't criticize children because they don't have the life experience to be able to, to use... <laughs> to pull from them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, he's, I think he's okay. I, whatever. He was all right. But it's hard because the movie... Kind of has to be carried by the two of them. Yeah. Um, and I think Stallone gives a, a, a plausible performance. And, you know, some of the family stuff, I think, is kind of interesting, which that I didn't remember. All I remembered was the arm wrestling and how absurd it was. Right. I thought that there was way more arm wrestling in this movie than there actually is. Yeah, it's just the one scene at the beginning and then the big uh, championship at the end. Well, don't forget Michael's oh, right. arm wrestling match. I'm thinking of Stallone, but you're right. Yeah. There was the one where, where Michael was taught how to arm wrestle. <laughs> Wrestles that kid who looks like... Uh, you ever see that... I don't know what it's from, but there's an animated gif slash gif of a 
like a kid who looks like from like 1992 and he's got his feet up on a computer desk and he kind of looks at the the camera and he goes like yeah and he gives a thumbs up oh like, F- sweet i know exactly what i it's a very famous animated gif and yes. that, that kid he arm wrestles looks like that kid he does he also <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to explain i don't know what the name of that gif is i i don't know the name of it either but yes i see it on twitter all the time sure yeah uh also reminds me of i don't remember the actor's name but T two Ed Furlong John Connor's buddy who's on the dirt bike oh sure reminds me a little bit of him too yeah just a little bit longer mullet but a nineties kid with a mullet I think that kid's got like red hair yeah so again not exactly but that's who reminded me of I know that kid's name Uh, Danny something Danny Cooksey I I know because he was on Salute Your Shorts (laughs) the Nickelodeon camp TV show (laughs) was you don't remember that I don't remember that I remember Hey Dude do you remember that one it was Hey Dude esque I think it was like a year or two before Hey Dude I feel like those those were shown together it was like the hour block of like Salute Your Shorts then Hey Dude the other Nickelodeon show that I remember that I've never been able to find, this is sort of like you, and I, and not that I've looked that hard, but you looking for that Robert Loggia, ironically. Enough. I knew you were going to bring up that Robert commercial. Loggia commercial. We're not going to play it again. No. <laughs> Do you okay. insist? I can look it up if you really insist. I don't insist. But there was a show on Nickelodeon uh, called Today's Special. Do you remember oh, that one? Of course, yeah. I, th- I feel like we've had this conversation Maybe where you have. and I are the only people who remember Today's Special. Yeah. I should look to try and find that show, but... To this day, I'm convinced that's the reason when we got into high school, I worked in retail, is because that had <laughs> seeped into my brain that retail's the place to be. Maybe mannequins come to life. Who knows? Were there mannequins in any of the retail jobs? I thought you were mostly... No, uh, there weren't. Yeah, but I was going to say. It, whatever. <laughs> the milk cartons come to life? Yeah. It's more like a, the... What was that uh, Seth Rogen movie? <laughs> it's more, oh, more uh, like that. Sausage Party. Yeah, it's more like Sausage Party than Today's Special. Yeah, I love Today's Special. All right. Mannequins come to life when the store is closed and they have yeah. adventures or something. Yeah, and it's ironic because Mannequin is going to be one of the top ten movies that I cover in the yeah. history. Let's get to it. What day is it? What year? Uh, it is February 13th, 1987. I assume that's a Friday the 13th because movies are released on Friday. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I assume. I didn't, actually, I, I didn't think of it until just now. Yeah, neither did I. I, no- I noticed Friday the 13th because I was born on a Friday the 13th, so I always, oh. I always noticed them. Did not, uh, did not know that. Yeah, it explains a lot about my life, I think. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I was surprised, and again, I wish I could verify this. Allegedly, according to IMDb, the budget was $25 million on this movie. Oh, see, that's surprising how low it is, because I had heard that Stallone alone got $25 million to be in this what? movie. This movie, I, not to interrupt, but this movie is, one of the reasons why this movie is notable, there's a couple of reasons, but one of the reasons is because... It was a record deal for Stallone. It was like one of those things where, because Canon Films wanted to be big time, yeah, they, they paid a big him. Name. Yeah. But no, I don't think anyone really knows how much it was. But that was the speculation: was he got twenty five million to write and star in this movie? Um, Whoa! If so, that was a mistake. I think it's minimum like ten to fifteen around a time when like big stars, like the biggest movie stars in the world, were getting three million a movie. Oh wow! And he got he got at least ten. I think unclear how high it is, well, but it's at least. That would make more sense then, because I could see the rest of this being made on a $15 million budget. Yeah, I think most of that budget is Stallone's. Is Stallone? Yeah. Well, at least he's given a pretty good performance for that. I agree. Apparently, there was no foreign box office on this. I could not find one anywhere. This was only a domestic release, and just over $16 million is what it cleared. Okay. I'll bet the reason why there's not good data is because Warner Brothers... Was it Warner Brothers? I don't have it in front of me. Uh, Yeah, Warner Brothers uh, distributed the movie in the U.S., 
but Canon Films distributed ah. themselves overseas, and Canon Films had a reputation for cooking some books and <laughs> misplacing some monies. So I, they just don't want to be public with their money. So Got I bet it. that's why you don't have good numbers. That totally makes sense. All right, I'll so bet it, I'll bet it made more than sixteen million overseas. Well, here's the thing, is that it only opened at number four, its opening week, behind aforementioned Mannequin, which was in its first week. Was it number one? Uh, Mannequin was not. In its ninth week, Platoon was number one, wow, which okay. that, that really is surprising to be nine weeks and number one. And it was actually twice the box office of number two. I, I was going to ask you, do you know the movie Outrageous Fortune? I've heard of it. All right. Did you look up what that was? No, I didn't. I just, it's here at number two, and I just, I should have looked it up, but... The most interesting in the top 10, in its 21st week in theaters at number six, Crocodile Dundee. Wow. I was, th- I was thinking about 86 and thinking what, what movie 87, but whatever. Well, that's uh, 86. In its 21st or, yeah, week, it's released yeah. in 86. Crocodile Dundee, 21 weeks in theaters. <laughs> yeah, that was a gigantic. Uh, that's one of those movies that had, had such an impact when it came out and then it's just been forgotten altogether. I haven't, you know, and not that I'm, not that I have time to go watch Crocodile Dundee, but you I almost, shouldn't. It's I, terrible. I, but I, I almost want to go watch it to try and figure out why was it so popular. Yeah, I don't know. It was just like an unusual uh, preoccupation with Australia I know among, this, among Americans. I know the Simpsons. Yeah, I know the Simpsons made fun of that. Yeah, Yahoo Serious <laughs> and a couple other people wrote that. Way. Yahoo Serious Film Festival. Um, I know what each of those words mean, but that sentence doesn't make any sense. Are you aware that there was like a weird Crocodile Dundee three hoax like a no. year ago? Really? It was uh, Danny McBride supposedly. Oh, it's time to cook that up. It was like a publicity stunt for something. I forget. It was it was for some kind of uh, charitable cause. Oh, all right, uh, but. I forget what the cause was, and people got really mad because it was like there was like hints. There was like a weird like teaser trailer that it implied that a Crocodile Dundee three was coming. And then it's like, nope, it's actually for this. We were trying to raise awareness for this thing, and people were so mad. <laughs> was there really? Is there really pent up demand for another Crocodile Dundee? I mean, the, there's pent up demand for anything these days. Apparently, anything that is more than twenty, thirty years old. I, People have nostalgia for what, it, even what, if it was terrible. Here's what I'm going to vow, is if Crocodile Dundee is either on Netflix or Amazon, I may watch it, just just to try and figure out, crack the code of why it was such a big deal. I mean, at this point, I'm willing to give anything a chance after that Karate Kid, uh, Cobra Kai. Because <laughs> Cobra Kai is so good. It's really genuinely good. And I know you don't believe me. You're I looking at me in disbelief, and we, we had this conversation off the air. It is really good. It's like one of the best TV shows of the year. I just, I can't <laughs> so, fathom how that is. It is. I, trust me. I, will, I can't remember. Is it free or do you have to pay for it? The first two episodes are free, but then you have to pay for it. You paid for those episodes? I know. I, I, I signed up for YouTube TV independently. I didn't even think I had access to that. And oh. I was like, oh, apparently this gives me access to this. And I watched it, and it was a lot better than I expected. Interesting. You dropped Netflix, but signed up for YouTube TV. Just, I, I'm going to drop UTT, YouTube oh. TV soon. I'm not really using it. Oh. Because YouTube TV is like a TV service, you get channels and you can watch like sports. That's oh. mostly what I did. Why I sign up for is I didn't know I, that. to to watch sports. And then I'm so out of the habit of watching sports that I forget that I have access to sports because <laughs> I went three years without it. Yeah, so it's just like I still don't watch sports even though I have access to it. I just forget. All right, so in the TV world, man, you know, sometimes you look back and you just wonder, my how times have changed. The Cosby Show is the number one not TV <laughs> show in America and. 
Well, it is what it is. Um, it, it's kind of a shame because a lot of people worked on that show and a lot of people did yeah. good work on that show. No, I mean, it was it was an important TV show. It really was. But at the same time, that's not those aren't the real victims of that whole thing. It's like, you know, obviously there were worse things going on than yeah, people but, not getting credit. No, for but the thing is, is that I, it really I mean, it was, it was an important TV show in terms of its representation of African-American family life on TV. And it was genuinely hilarious. No, it was, it was so funny. We could show and it its legacy is going to forever. Ever. No, that, that's it's sad because it's like there are very few sitcoms that were as funny as that show. But of course, just me saying that, saying I that the, I think the Cosby Show is funny, is just making me feel gross, and it's, it's it, the whole thing sucks. Yeah, but it actually this it, this really is probably the golden golden era or among it. <laughs> family ties. Family ties is number two. For some reason, you said the word golden, and I immediately went, "It's going to be family ties," <laughs> and I don't know why. You didn't think Golden Girls, which is number five yeah, on the I list. Sh- I should have, but somehow. We had like a weird psychic communication there. I don't know what happened. No, okay, I mean, Family when, Ties number two. Then uh, I, honestly, these are actually all worth covering, which is very rare on this. Family Ties is a funny show. Golden Girls is a funny show. Uh, number three, Cheers. Cheers one, is great. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, sitcom of all time. Yeah. I, I would argue for that. Cheers holds up. I watched a bunch of it on Netflix before I shut it off. Yeah, I've watched a few too. It really does hold up it's really a well. Really funny show. Uh, number four, Murder She Wrote. Eh, it wasn't my cup of tea, but Murder She Wrote holds up also. You my watch friends, Murder She yeah, Wrote. Yeah, my friends Peter and Jamie are big Murder She Wrote fans. I think wow. Jamie mostly, but yeah, I've been sat down. I've been hanging out with them. Oh, and she's like, let's so watch a Murder She Wrote. Angela Lansbury. No, they're actually they're actually all right. Uh, number five, The Golden Girls. Number six, sixty minutes. Number seven, Night Court. Uh, I, Night Court. I don't think holds up. <laughs> it might not hold up, but I remember enjoying Night Court. Speaking of bull, there's a bull in this movie. Uh, that's you're right. I thought of Night Court when, when I was watching this. I didn't even consider that it would have been out at the same time. Uh, number eight, Growing Pains. Number nine, Moonlighting, and number ten, Who's the Boss? All of those are still like memorable shows that I. They may oh, not hold up. Yeah, there's no way Who's the Boss holds up. Also, it, Growing Pains probably not. All I will say this is I still have fond memories of those shows. Well, we were eight. Of course, you have fond memories. That's exactly what I was saying. Anything that's from your childhood, you're gonna. It's the Crocodile Dundee thing. I don't. I don't have nostalgia for Crocodile Dundee. Did you see it when you were eight? Yeah, I think so. Well, sometime after that. I don't remember. doesn't okay. matter. All right. So the S&P 500 is at 280.9. <laughs> for the record, Mike pointed at me <laughs> like this is the most important thing in the world. Uh, you really got me. Fe- <laughs> I, I almost put together a sarcastic uh, sound effect for your S&P 500. I didn't do it because I thought you'd be insulted. I would now be. I have to do it. I hope you do. Because you pointed at me like it was the most important part of this podcast. <laughs> On February 4th, Congress overrides President Reagan's veto of the Clean Water Act of 1986. Not sure why you would veto that. I didn't look into it, but it seems like everybody would want clean water. Reagan vo- uh, vetoed it? Yes. So- um, on February 20th, the second bomb from the Unabomber explodes at a Salt Lake City computer store. I also, for some reason, I didn't think that yeah. was that early. I, I don't know. I think they caught him years later, though, right? Is that what it oh, was? Oh, it was somewhere in the 90s is when they caught him. Right. In the world of sports, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scores his 36,000th NBA point on February 24th. Yeah. I believe he's still the all-time leader. I could be wrong about that. That is just astonishing to me. It really is. He played for like 22 years or something. Yeah. He was like 42 at the time, so <laughs> I he was. I can't imagine playing that long. Some guys just, just the fact, have the genetics that can keep I was going. Gonna, well, the fact that a big man could hold up like that. I mean, Greg, o- Greg Oden played like two games and he was out of the NBA. Well, back then, nobody played defense, so you, you figure the wear and tear is cut in half. <laughs> On February 27th, SMU football gets the death penalty. Have you ever watched the 
ESPN 30 for 30 on that. It's actually really interesting. I have no idea what this is you're referring to. Really? Uh, Southern Methodist University football, uh, the, the entire, their entire season was canceled and uh, basically had no scholarship players. It's, it's loosely what Necessary Roughness is based on. Oh, okay. I know you know Necessary Roughness. Sure, speaking of Robert Loja. Pumpkey, so many arms, son. <laughs> Throw, Throw the, the ball, ball genius. genius. So, yes, the premise is based on SMU oh. and the death penalty. Okay. I didn't know that. What do they do? I actually don't remember. <laughs> okay. Well, you're supposed to be reporting these things. I'm worthless. I'm sorry. <laughs> Suffice it to say they cheated somehow. Yes. So in the, the, so unfortunately, I looked up the, the New York Times, and only this month, this was like the worst month. I had no clue what this book was, but what I was shocked is everything in 1987 around this book being in the New York Times bestseller are like books that you know and were turned into movies. Is this like the rise of Michael Crichton and, uh, and Dean Koontz and Stephen King? Stephen King. Tom Clancy. And, well, th- this one is maybe only one or two books, but Scott Turow. Uh, so Windmills of the Gods by Sydney Sh- uh, with you by Sydney Sheldon had no clue. Doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned. What does matter? I know the name Sydney Sheldon. I don't know why I know that name. Okay. Presumed Innocent by Scott Turow. Patriot Games from... Tom Clancy. Yeah. I would have guessed Clear and Present Danger that year. That's, uh, I guess that was maybe a couple years later. Yes. And then for Stephen King, Misery, the Tommyknockers, and it's carrying over because it's the beginning of 86, It. He had three books within basically, we'll call it 15 months. Sure. Those are huge oh, books. He, he churned out books like crazy. He put out a book every three months, basically. I know he churned out, but like that is... I'll, the, I'll, I'll bet he had a Richard Bachman book during that period, too. <laughs> I forgot about that. You know? At least one. Yeah, it's crazy how fast he writes books. Uh, Meanwhile, I've been writing, working on a novel for five years. <laughs> How's it going? I don't, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> Not well. <laughs> and I, but the thing is, I know he churns out a ton, but th- those are some of the most no- memorable and you know notable of the Stephen King. Yeah, Tommy Knockers, not so much. But yes, it. What was the other one? Is it in Misery? The, in Misery, yeah, yeah. Those are big ones. Uh, and then finishing out the Billboard 100, actually a song I know, "Living on a Prayer," Bon Jovi. Sure, that's so. very. In keeping with the music of Over the Top. <laughs> Absolutely. The Sammy Hagar song. I can't wait to talk about the music with you on this, but uh, before that, we got to get to the plot summary. Okay, let's do it. The big picture. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. I keep minimizing the soundboard. I don't know why. I need to be more prepared. All right. Uh, that's okay. So uh, I, this is a pretty straightforward plot in this one. Yeah, I mean, we, we should kind of walk through the movie, but uh, it seems like the the... What we've been settling into in past episodes is you just give like a one sentence, eh, this happens, and then I, I want to go through kind of more. Yeah, I, I don't know, because not, not necessarily scene for scene, but just kind of go through the beats. I guess we can go through the beats. For me, it's, eh, we get so much into it on the details and the questions. I think that covers most of it, but we can spend a little time on this. No, I think it's, it's worth talking about the story as, as a whole. All right, well, we have... <laughs> I thought that was what this segment was. La- yeah, I know. But I, I don't know. Sometimes I think we spend a little bit too much time on this segment. But I, I think you try to go too fast on it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> hashing this out in the podcast. Apparently I like so. This. So I think that we need to meet somewhere in the middle. All hey, right. meet me halfway. That's right. How about that? Or hold on. Which, which one is it? <laughs> Do you have the song I ready? I have all the songs. Oh, that's perfect. Meet me halfway. There it is. Couldn't have planned that. 
<laughs> All right. So with that, I'm not sure, and this is one of my questions, so we may have to get one out of the way here early. I'm not sure if it's Lincoln Hawk or Hawks. I had that same Since question. they have absolutely no interest in being consistent with that. Is it only the people at the competition who call him Hawks? Is oh, it no. Because they call him Link Hawks. No. Like, first of all, Link, short for Lincoln, is weird. It is, but I've heard it before. Is that a real thing? That's short for Lincoln? Like, kids I, who are named Lincoln get called Link? I've heard it before. That doesn't mean that it's okay. extremely prevalent. But either way, the important thing is it's a hawk or a hawks. And no, to answer your question, no, I'm 99% sure uh, Robert Loja as Jason Cutler, uh, not Jay Cutler, but no. Jason Cutler, calls is him Jay hawks. Cut, is Jay Cutler's name short for Jason? I don't this think so. This is just like me being confused about names. It would be, aw- it would be awesome if, <laughs> if Jay Cutler was somehow related to Robert Loja's character. I don't think I picked up that Robert Loja's first name in this movie is Jason. It is. I just knew Cutler, and yeah, of course, we live in Chicago. We made the I made the exact same. Well, connection. not only that, he's Jay Cutler was a Chicago Bears quarterback for many years. Yes, and Jason Cutler is about as aloof and gruff as Jay Cutler, so they very <laughs> well right. could be on the same family tree. Yeah, there is a family resemblance for sure. <laughs> uh, so Lincoln or Link Hawk or Hawks? We're I not think sure. It's supposed to be Hawk. Oh, it is supposed to be Hawk because it says Hawk Trucking or whatever on the side of his truck. And I think when he writes the letters on the return address, it says Lincoln Hawk. Yeah, well, that makes sense. What makes he, sense to I me... I assume he, owned, he knows his own name. Yeah, it, it would have made sense to me if they had established Hawks was somehow a nickname. It seems kind of dumb, but... <laughs> yeah, nickname's longer than his name. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> so he uh, has been estranged away from his son, Michael, who attends the largest military academy that I m- maybe have ever seen. Those academies are more like college campuses, aren't they? Maybe didn't, didn't jump out to me as strange. It jumped out to me that that place was massive and there was a ton of students there. I don't think that there's that many students in any military academy. Okay, you could be right. And so he is going to pick up his son and go. It's not. It's not a cross country trip. I don't know if it's established where this military academy is, but it at least takes a couple of days to get to California. Wikipedia says it's a trip from Colorado to California. I don't know where Wikipedia gets Colorado. Maybe somewhere oh. in maybe the- where that school. Maybe that school legitimately is in Colorado. I did not look. Yeah, it, up. it could be signs somewhere that I didn't pick up on where that school was either. Either. I mean, every shot of them driving is the southwest of the United States. Yeah. It's all like Monument Valley. Like they pass the same monuments. This, you know, this, you know, Monument Valley has the big stone uh, plateaus. They pass the same stuff multiple times. I guess he had a trip. He had to drive something. He had to make a delivery first, right? Yeah, you know what he had to deliver. What's that? Oh man, brute. Oh, really? Is that true? Yeah, it's absolutely true. How do you know that? When did, when did because it's on the happen? side of the truck. It's like one of the biggest things. I mean, oh, I guess so. I it's guess the I didn't m- most consider. offensive product placement that, yeah, it's arm wrestling, so we're, we're going to try and sell some brute. So I didn't consider that the thing on the side of the truck is actually what he's delivering. The but of essence course, of yeah. men. <laughs> of course it is. Brute. Oh, there's a million other product placements. That, ah, that's, splash a little bit of that on yourself when you're getting ready in Las Vegas. That seems like the kind of thing that Stallone would have actually uh, oh. done commercials for. <laughs> Absolutely. Brute have to shave, you know? But yeah, they're going to drive to California because Michael's mother, Christina, is in the hospital and she's going to have surgery and she wants them to spend some time together. Um, in case she dies. Is that the presumption? That's what it seemed like to me. Okay, I guess so. She still wanted him to spend time with him, but I, I, think, I think it was because that... She was concerned about whatever the surgery is. They don't say you're, you know that what? it's experimental or anything like that. You know what? I am going to meet you halfway because I think you're right. It's, impos- <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> anyway, should I rewind it again? <laughs> meet me 
would have looked up these music videos. That's going to have to be a button on the soundboard now I until think, the end of time. I think that we've just added something to meet me halfway. Um, the problem is I've got this YouTube video up, so now every time <laughs> I want to play it, I'm going to have to find it on the timeline. Um, but I am going to meet you halfway because I think, I think you're right. It's impossible to talk about the plot of this movie without getting into our questions because so much of the specifics of this plot just does not make sense. Almost deliberately. It feels like the movie just does not want you to understand the specifics of any of these relationships. No, because I, I, well, it seems to be only focused on one relationship, right? And exploring, uh, I don't know if it's the building of that relationship, but all of the rest is just noise. And I'll say, yeah, I think the relationship between Stallone and uh, the kid, Michael. Uh, uh, yeah, I forget the actor's name, but yeah, uh, Lincoln Hawk and Michael. I think all that stuff works. What I'm getting at, I don't know if we should save it to questions or talk about it now, but uh, Christina, the mother, her relationship with Lincoln Hawk. And uh, just what is the deal? You have no idea. The mo- probably the most frustrating thing. Why did he leave? What did he do? Yeah, totally. All you get is Jay Cutler. We'll just call him Jay Cutler. Jason Cutler drove a wedge between him and Christine. Have no idea why. What? And uh, for 12 years, she's been hiding Hawk's letters. letters. Don't know. I don't understand why. And then because this, this is why I in a purse, apparently. Yeah, because Michael just decides, well, my mom's dead now, so I can feel free to go through her things. Root around in her thing. She's barely been dead. Sure. There's no way he legitimately would have had enough time to mourn to start going through things, but whatever. Oh, there's no... I mean, I guess you see the funeral, but uh, we're jumping ahead. Yeah, she clearly did not want Lincoln Hawk in Michael's life for for over a decade. And then all of a sudden, she's like, I want you two to spend some time together. Your father's going to drive you in in his semi-truck. Back to California. His truck. And it doesn't explain her motivations. I mean, you're left to presume that it's because she's sick and in the hospital. I, that Honestly, that's the only rational that I could come up with. You're right. It's the only rational explanation, but the movie doesn't actually explain it. It leaves you to infer it. And then it's just like, well, if that's the case, she's still apparently hiding the letters. And then when they talk on the phone, they call each other honey. Yeah. What is that about? It's like, if if it was just... The mother died before the movie started. She was keeping Lincoln Hawk out of Michael's yeah. life. Now he, she's gone, and well, he, he sees as an opportunity to become to now get, be part of his life. If that was the story, I think it would make total sense. I don't think it's that hard to change that either, because if you just establish that Lincoln now has custody rights, like he never abandoned his custody rights, he may not have been there. You're right. That's even better. It, but right, so now yeah. he's inserting himself. They're stuck with each other, basically. Yeah. That's an easy explanation. You can still have, you know, the, the, the plot that his grandfather is, the, you know, is the, it was the male role model and is jealous and yeah. is trying to the custody. Yeah, and, all that stuff still works. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I mean, it's Christina that makes no sense. Just we know she's sick. We know that she hid the letters and we know that she wants uh, the two of them to all spend of the time sudden, together. Yeah. All those things conflict with each other. It's yeah. just, you, I think you're right that the movie leaves you no choice but to infer that she's changed her mind because of her illness. Do they even say what she's... It's yeah. something with her heart. That, that's all you get. Okay. That's what I'm saying. They don't, they don't give you... It's like an experimental surgery that you know, could go awry. I, yeah, everything is vague about her. And she's the linchpin of the story because... Yeah. Well, and in some ways, I mean, it, it really is... It's a pretty diminished female role. It, it, to that point, it's like, yeah. no offense, if you're going to diminish it to that level, then probably the right choice is to just not even write the character. It's the character died off screen, and you pick up right from there. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really consider that, but I think you're right. I mean, it's one. Of, it's like this movie is only 
concern with the male characters to the yeah. point where I mean, you, you, are you familiar with the term fridging? You fridge a character? No, uh, I forget what movie comes from, but it's like basically it means if you, to kill a female character in order to drive the motivations of the male characters. It's oh, like a okay. movie that doesn't care that she died. She's only been killed by the screenwriter so that the male character will be angry or whatever. It's just, gotcha. It, okay. I, it's, it's, it's in reference to some movie where a, a yeah, woman's so killed and put in a fridge or something. I don't know. It's sort of like jumping the shark refers to sure. happy days. Right. I, yeah. I, I got you. And this sure. movie, I didn't even think about it until I was talking about it. But yeah, this movie totally fridges Christina where it's like oh, yeah. her death only exists to... To push Michael and Lincoln. Yeah. Along their story. It's there to provide a complication. Because just to get back to the plot summary, they're driving across country. They bond. You know, Lincoln teaches Michael about arm wrestling. Lincoln gets challenged to an arm wrestling match and then later teaches Michael about arm wrestling. Michael teaches Lincoln about nutrition. <laughs> That's true. What a snot. That kid, oh, man. Sh- I wanted to punch him in the face. We'll talk about it in little details, I'm sure. Yes. But, um, yeah, because that whole scene in that diner they stop at at the beginning. We'll talk about that later. The specifics of that scene are crazy. Yeah, and they arrive in California, and it's just like, oh, she died. And then Michael's justifiably upset. It's like, we didn't get here in time because... Right, he wanted to fly. I mean, and that was the plan, was that he was going to fly, and then they, they... Right. Christina and Lincoln forced him to drive, and, of course, they didn't get there in time. Yeah, and it seemed weird to me that he didn't have a choice in the matter, but I guess that's neither, neither here nor there. It's like he, yeah, Michael wanted to go with his grandfather or his one of his grandfather's minions. I was going to say minion on a plane because yeah. it wasn't actually with his grandfather. Yeah, Robert Loja as Jason Cutler, he's like a wealthy man and possibly mobbed up. I wasn't sure if that was an implication or not. Really, I didn't get that vibe. That's the, how did you that's get the that? sense I got to that? Just because he has a lot of thugs out doing his bidding and oh, there's, just, a, there's a moment where they try to kidnap michael back he just well that yes but he just had that one guy terry funk yeah that gets pushed through the through, uh, yeah through the glass yeah frame. i think it was rooker or rucker is what i think oh, I, don't, uh, I don't remember his name i i only because of the amazon uh x-ray is the only reason i know that okay yeah terry funk who was a professional wrestler who i'm i imagine you're not that familiar with i'm not either no he was a guy who didn't spend much time hardly at all in the wwf he was like an independent guy like oh big in the late 70s and was like known for crazy extreme wrestling, like the thing set on fire type of stuff. Oh, wow. Maybe it's not that extreme. I forget. But it's like, you know, like thumbtack and like, you know, he'd be bleeding at the end of the match. Like, yeah. Like crazy, that's a, that sort of thing. So I'm sure he was just hired because he's essentially a cheap stuntman. Yeah. It's like, he's a wrestler. He'll do it. He'll be a stuntman and go through that window, but he'll do it for cheap. <laughs> I assume that's why Terry Funk's in the movie. He's the beloved by a lot of wrestling fanatics, oh, okay. but you know, I, neither of us is that much that fanatic about wrestling. What's know, funny know is who he is. I didn't recognize him, but I recognize one of the other muscle. Oh, uh, is there somebody else I should know? I can't. Is he a wrestler? No, he uh, he he's actually, I think, a stunt coordinator and stunt man. That when you look at his IMDb page, he has an incredible. Oh, run. He's just a guy who gets thrown through a million windows. No, but in one of the most, I was sitting there like, where do I know him from? Where do I know him from? And before I cheated and looked it up, it came to me. He had done other stuff that then when I looked, I remembered. But one of the greatest fights in the history of television, history of television. (laughs) I can't wait to hear what this is going to be. How well do you remember Deadwood? Uh, okay, not well. Oh, all right. Well, Deadwood, the, I think it's season three. I was waiting for like a reference to Knight Rider or something. Oh. <laughs> I, I no. wasn't sure where you're going with no. this. No, so uh, Swear Engine's number two, Dan, and George Hurst has the captain, this huge guy. The captain is who 
is one of the the like the guy the guards at the gate that when Lincoln rams the truck through. Yeah, I vaguely remember the captain. Yeah, well, the captain, it's one of the greatest fight sequences of all time. Then when I looked at him, I'm like, hey, oh, it's the captain. Hmm. He's in a ton of stuff. And I bet I'd recognize him. I'm not sure. I don't know which guy you're talking about. You absolutely, if, you, if, you, if we pull it up, you absolutely would be able to put Should we take up. a second and find yeah, him? Just, just take a break and we don't need this. <laughs> oh, and you know, you know what else? When <laughs> I looked it up. We don't need this. Uh, you know what else? When I looked it up. Officer Wendell White, he's the uh, wife beater at the beginning just before Bloody Christmas that Russell Crowe just absolutely lays in with a couple of the bread basket and then handcuffs him in the front porch. I can't picture either character. Really? You can't picture that in LA Confidential? No, I'm not. I mean, I like LA Confidential. But you must not like it as much as me. I, I'm sure I've not seen it as many times as you, yeah. that's for sure. I can't find the scene where they go up to... The gate? He's, in, he's actually in a bunch of scenes. Oh, no, is it the gate? It's not, it's not where he goes up and talks to... No, 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 no. This is further back. And he, he's in there. He's the one who tries to chase him, and then Michael starts crawling on his hands and knees. Oh, is he the guy? Is he? You were, ju- you were almost just there. Yeah, it's it, just there's, before a, there's a little bit of delay. No, it's after this. This guy? Yeah, that guy. Absolutely. So his name is, is it over there? Alan Graff. Alan Graff. Yeah, if you look at his IMDb, he's been in just an incredible amount of stuff. I'm curious to know, because uh, I don't recognize him just looking at him there. It was driving me crazy, and then the captain came to me. Known for due date, 42. Okay, Deadwood is third. We were soldiers. He was in Knight Rider. <laughs> of course <laughs> he was in Knight Rider. I was right. All right, we can get back to it. Sorry. I don't recognize him, but I, I don't doubt it. I, should, I, mean, I haven't watched Deadwood in over <laughs> Look, 10 years. Uh, that's probably why. Just, all right, before we, you want to talk about the product placement. Oh, yeah, this, this, is, this is the part this where is I... Just, you want to talk about over the top? This is over the top. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's called that. With the copper top, no less. Yeah, well, okay, let's catch up to this scene, because we're looking at a scene I didn't realize the end. that those look like little 9-volts. That's outstanding. Oh, yeah, the little, the little boxes that are shaped <laughs> like 9-volt uh, batteries. Let's plot summary our way to this scene, because we're, we're looking at a scene near the end of the movie. All right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Let, let's get back on track. That's fine. They arrive in California. Christina has died. Yes. Michael is upset, justifiably, that he was delayed. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then what? And then uh, Lincoln Hawk shows up at uh, Robert Loja's house. Yes, Jason's house. Jason Collins. Cutler. I almost said Jason Collins. Jason Cutler. um, Who has his own gate and his own security to stand around. This is why I think he's a mob guy. Because he's just... His individual house... It's not a gated community. His single house has like six guards posted and a gate and the whole deal. Who else would need that kind of security? He, they do live in Bel Air. Here's what I was going to answer. Sure, but this is like, you know, he's taking his... his uh, do you think mobsters live in Bel Air? Man, maybe not. I mean, that's where Will Smith got sent to, is to go live because it was safe there. Maybe Uncle Phil is up to some stuff we don't know about. The, you think he was a crooked judge? <laughs> was he a judge? I think he was a judge. Really? Yeah. And he lived in Bel Air? I don't remember that at all. Was he How just he, a lawyer? He must have been a crooked judge. No judge can make that much money. Do I need to, I, I do don't I need remember. to look this up? I, let's not... <laughs> We're looking up too much stuff. Was Uncle Phil a mobbed up judge? I mean, you're you're probably right that Bel Air is uh, Bel Air wouldn't allow the, the community in Bel Air would kick out the mob. Yeah, would have run this guy out. Yeah, you're probably right. But still, there's you a lot of security. He crashes his way through the gate, <laughs> which makes absolutely no sense. Well, it's obviously counterproductive. Like he's going to be get, given custody of his child, and now he's totally sabotaged. Right, it makes no sense. He's a he's a dumb truck driver. Like I think this movie. Wait a minute. See, that's unfair. That's what Michael makes it. Why is he a dumb truck driver? I do think this movie, even though it's sympathetic, I, I'm trying to give the movie's point of view. Like the movie is sympathetic towards Stallone's character for sure, but I do think 
inadvertently, it is depicting him as kind of just a dumb jock idiot who doesn't know how to deal with his son, doesn't know how to navigate. You know, he's, he's going to be given custody of his child. He has every right to be named the guardian of Michael, and he completely destroys he himself by crashing through the gate. That like, he what, does. What, what else are we left to take from that other than he's just a moron? I, I don't know. It seems to me like he's pretty competent in the limited time that he spent with him prior to that. I yeah, think it's I'm, unfair to say that he's some dumb jock. Maybe the movie's trying to say that, but I don't I don't take that from the time he spends with Michael. No, generally speaking, I think the movie is well-written, and he's, it's a, he's a well-rounded character. Because there's, there's the part where Michael is being kind of snobbish about it and saying, right. oh, there's more to life than muscles, and you should read a book for it. And he's like, oh, if you're so smart, why don't you drive this truck? And <laughs> just dares him to drive the truck. Which you actually, what you want to talk out. about isn't fair. <laughs> well, sure, but no, it's just that one moment. It's so stupid. You don't buy that this character is so angry that he's just kind of like lost his head for a second. Like, yeah, generally he's depicted as pretty level-headed, but then he, here he is crashing his truck through the gate of uh, Michael's grandfather, which gets him arrested justifiably, and, forced, and he's in a position where now he's got to give up custody of his son. There's no other conclusion to draw other than only an imbecile would do this. That's what I'm saying. It's unfair. The movie is being unfair to that character. Otherwise... You know, I'm not well, yeah, saying I'm th- not saying that uh, I think all truck drivers are stupid. I'm saying that this movie is the, uh, by putting this scene in the movie, the movie is saying that he is stupid. I uh, well, yeah, but I also think that it's just then it's trying to force the action to the arm wrestling. That, I mean, that's the only reason for this scene. Yeah, and to get like an action beat, even though there's no, he just crashes through a gate. But yeah, it's there's it, not a lot of actiony stuff in this movie, so not that's at, all. at least something. There's a do. little little chase with the kidnapping, which that kidnapping is ridiculous. Yeah. It's a boring chase, too. It's oh, not even that interesting. Super boring. I'm pretty sure that that moment of him crashing through the gate is in the trailer. I watched the trailer. I don't remember specifically. But it's like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he'll crash through the gate. That way it'll be exciting. <laughs> it'll be an exciting moment. It'll be a canon film. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's like they couldn't help themselves. So, yes. Yeah, so he decides to relinquish his rights. He's going to walk away. Well, and he then, doesn't have a choice. It's not so much he decides. is that he goes to prison and they he strong has a choice. I mean, they pre- they'll press charges, but... I don't. I don't know if that means he automatically would lose custody rights. I'm not if saying it's a, it's an easy or a good choice, but I'm not sure he doesn't have any choices. If he gets convicted of you know whatever the charge, what would the charge be for crashing your semi truck through a, <laughs> a gate destruction and, of property into the house? Yeah, destruction and, and reckless endangerment. Like probably he'd go to jail for at least a little while, a couple of months. Ah, maybe maybe he gets community service. Maybe it's his first offense, but still, yeah. You don't think that would put his custody at risk? And you don't think they'd be like, well, this guy's obviously nuts. Uh, here's the one thing that probably would be tough for him is that my guess would be is there's probably something related to his CDL license and his inability to have an income. That actually might be a problem. That's a great point. You're yeah. right. I mean, he has a hard enough time supporting himself already. Right. And that's so, kind of Robert Loge's, you know, that's, that's what that's he's saying. That's his pitch. Yeah. Right. Well, so basically what that gets you to is that he's, he's at the end of his rope and he's going to go win it all. He's <laughs> He puts everything on the line, yeah, including his truck and all of his money. Sells his truck, gets the little bit of money that he gets for it, and then bets on himself, which let's get to talk about how foolish, (laughs) foolish that is. Is it foolish just because he shouldn't be putting all his eggs in one one basket, or is it foolish because he may be disqualified from the competition for being the Pete Rose of arm wrestling? Both. (laughs) Okay. Okay. In particular, the all eggs in one basket 
Hedge a little. I mean, you're in line to win a $250,000 truck, 100000 in cash. Sure. There's one clear odds-on favorite. Now, I will grant you that he probably he might have been even money or two to one or maybe at best three to one. Three to one is still 21 grand. What are you doing? But that's cutting into his winnings if he wins. <laughs> I understand. This, this cuts to the heart of our gambling approaches approach. to gambling. Because we used to have this conversation when well, we were gambling on sports a lot. And I remember, I remember one specifically. I don't remember the teams anymore, but I had a four-team parlay, <laughs> and I'd won the first three. And you and Chris were both saying, you've got to hedge this bet. You're crazy. To yes, not, to not you hedge. are crazy. And I didn't, and I won the whole bet, and I, w- I won like a, like a grand more than I would have won if I had hedged the bet. And I was vindicated. And no, you don't hedge bets. I'm, I agree that he shouldn't be betting because he's a competitor and he could get in trouble and lose his, his opportunity to win the competition at all. He could be disqualified for gambling <laughs> on the event. That's the stupid part in my mind. You're, comp- you're competing. Don't bet on the competition. It's literally why Pete Rose is not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. But, you know, if he believes in himself and if he knows for sure he's not going to be disqualified, don't hedge. Go for it. Absurd. <laughs> it's not absurd. It is beyond absurd. It's, this is, this it is, is literally taking the last dollar you have. The last dollar you have. Well, I agree you shouldn't be betting every penny he's it's got. It's long bet, shot bet odds. Bet three grand. Keep the four grand <laughs> in, in reserve. Then take the four and bet it on bull. It makes no, no sense. Every bet you make, every bet you put down, you're paying a VIG. Whether it's... So what? I'm saying you're doubling the VIG. This is exactly why... This is exactly no. why I would never hedge. Because, look... Let's take my three-team parlay from 10 years prior, 15 probably. I thought it was 14, but whatever. Whatever, however long ago that was. I made a 14 parlay. If I wanted to make a three-team parlay, I would have made the three-team parlay. So when the first three teams win, and you're saying hedge, it's like, well, if I wanted to make bet on the first three teams, I would have done it. I, I, believe I, never, in, I still believe in this bet, even more so than before, because I've won three quarters of it. Okay, and to me, I would take my money out of the equation, and whatever I put down for those long odds, I would hedge that out, walk away no, with you're, no you're, all, you're, all you're doing is guaranteeing you're going to lose one bet. Oh, okay, so what? <laughs> I've guaranteed that I have all of the upside with none of the downside. There is downside. You're paying a double VIG. No, you're you're going to lose one bet, and you're only... if. if if you win the fourteen parlay, you're lo- you're winning way less money than you would if if you otherwise would. On this one, I refuse to meet you halfway. We will de- agree to disagree. Come on, on meet, this. meet me halfway. I you gotta you gotta meet me halfway on this one. <laughs> I gotta get the horns in every time. This is my favorite part. <laughs> I'm gonna tell. If there's one takeaway from this movie, I love that song. I actually like the song too. Genuinely. I, <laughs> you like it ironically. I like it ironically. Uh, maybe I like it ironically, too. I have to admit. All right, so anyway, whatever. He enters this competition. We, he puts every dollar he's got on the yeah, line. And in the end, he winds up winning the competition. Yeah, because he believes in himself. Because he... Oh, but he didn't believe in himself. He needed Michael to push him over the top. Temporarily. Wait, there's a song called Over the Top. I don't have that ready. <laughs> I oh, forget. Is over there one? the Top. It's actually, oh, yeah. I forget. It's not called Over the Top. But that one's not as good. You're right. It's not as Meet good. Meet Me Halfway is, is the best song in, the, in I agree. all of this. I agree. It is the best song. Honestly, Every time we say that phrase now, it's, uh, no question that's going to be on the soundboard next time. It is worth watching this movie to hear that song. Because I, I can't say the score. There is no score to this movie. It is just one rock song to another. There is a little bit of score, actually. And really? funnily enough, 
The score is by Giorgio Moroder, who is not huge in the U.S., but he's a big star in Europe. He's like an electronic musician. Okay. Very big. Like, it's actually a big get. And the only score he does is he does a piano version of that song. Really? You ever, you ever, it's like piano. Doo, 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 oh, yeah. Doo, doo, yeah. Doo, doo, doo. You're right. That's all he does. He just took this song and turned it into a piano version. And that's like his whole score. I hope he got paid well for it since they didn't use him. I'm sure he did. I mean, I know Menachem uh, uh, Golan was... Uh, <laughs> spared no expense. Yeah, he, like, he was giving out the money. Like John Hammond. Yeah. <laughs> we spared no expense. I mean, it, it's legitimately a big get to get uh, Giorgio Moroder. Right. And he, there's nothing notable about the score. You're right. I mean, it's it's not... I'm not surprised you thought there was no score because it's so not noticeable. No, it, it feels like it is one rock video to the next. That's what this movie feels like. And they play each song almost twice. Yes. That. They play at least three of these songs twice. They play this song, Meet Me Halfway, they definitely play it twice. <laughs> Absolutely. They do it both times. I was loving every minute of it. I just said it. Meet me halfway. <laughs> You're right. The horns really do kind of make the it. The horns make it for sure. All also, right. I wish everyone could see your lip syncing there. Oh, you were, you were I, I really it. get into it because it, it is to me. It's so ironically fun. It's, I think it's pretty fun. I think that by Kenny Loggins, we should point out who is uh, probably most well known for all his Top Gun, Top Gun, know, which the Danger Zone, the sequel that. apparently is on its way. It is. It's halfway there. So <laughs> we'll meet. So, it, we'll meet it soon. So I think. I think that I think we've covered plot well enough. We can move to technology. Are we good? Well, just one last moment I want to talk about in the plot is all right. Michael decides he's going to... Because t- you mentioned that uh, uh, Lincoln Hawk wins the arm wrestling competition, yeah. but Michael runs away and gives him the pep. I guess you did mention that. And then uh, Robert Loja's character, what is it? Cutler. Jason, Jason Cutler. Cutler. Because Lincoln Hawk won the arm wrestling competition, they kind of cut to Robert Loja and he's just like, all right, I guess you can have custody. It's like because he won oh, the ma- arm wrestling competition. Yeah, it makes, I, it makes absolutely no sense. And they're going to go into business together? He's sure. like 10 years old. Well, but he's, he's got the book smarts. He had all this, this academy uh, education. <laughs> this, def- this definitely is an 80s sitcom waiting to happen. Sun and Hawk, which that really shows that <laughs> that's how, all, how much business sense yeah. he has. That's not how language works. Sun and Hawk. <laughs> no, what does it mean? Like, a child and a bird have gone into business. <laughs> No, Hawkinson. It would have been really confusing to people. Wait a minute. It's, it's such a stupid, the- terrible name. It's supposed to be like this back and forth or just like, you know, banter. It, that scene makes sense if it was like Mike and Lincoln. No, Lincoln and Mike. It's like, you know, they're fighting over which name goes but first. Son-, son and Hawk. I know what we'll call our business. Son and Hawk. I like that a bird went into business. You can't put those those words in that order mean a totally different thing than Hawkinson. So like a Yahoo Serious Film Festival. Sure. I know. What each of those words mean, but that doesn't make any sense. But if it was like serious film festival, Yahoo, that means a totally different thing. <laughs> that actually makes sense. Uh, it does. All right, moving on to uh, where are we? What's next? Technology, All my right, friend. Let's do technology. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right, so at least to me, the easiest and fastest one that a lot of this movie would have been undermined by is... Oh, the, before you start, oh. this is the segment where we talk about oh. how the movie would be different. Yeah. <laughs> the impact of, if, we'll call it uh, current technology and how the movie would be different, yeah. if, if in, in some instances, how the movie couldn't even be made. Oh, you think so? Uh, well, no, I'm just saying in general. Okay. Uh, I thought um, you were specifically talking about over the top, but okay. Uh, well, one thing in, in particular, probably the biggest one, the... the 
the inability for Jason Cutler to track down Hawk is completely done away with with GPS that is required now, I think, on um, big rigs. But would Jason, uh, would he have uh, access to, how would he know where the truck was? Uh, Put a tracker on the truck? I I assume uh, whether he's mobbed up or not. He clearly, he has his own trucking company, right? Because he's got that big rig parked out there. That he's trying to give... That's uh, not how I interpreted that. Yeah, because he tries to bribe Lincoln Hawk at some point. We yeah. kind of skipped over that scene. but It's uh, got Cutler trucking on the side Oh, of it. does it? I missed that detail. Do you, did your version have like things blanked out? You didn't see Brute? You didn't see Cutler trucking? I guess I just wasn't paying attention to the sides of trucks. I don't know. Yes. Uh, so he clearly has a trucking company, so I assume that he would know some ability or have some ability, whether it be at way stations, to be able to find out where he was. He has his own trucking company, but he won't hire his son-in-law. I assume even when things were like before the separation, no. It's cl- it, no. I assumed that Lincoln had some other career or something before he had to become a trucker. I don't know what. So what you think that Robert Loja gave him a job in his trucking company, and then things were bad. And he had to go off on his own? Was Ooh, that- I hadn't thought about that question. Maybe that's what happened. If only these, this backstory was clear in any way. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. GPS, I mean, in the end, he doesn't have that much trouble finding them. Because what does he do? He kind of and he he asks a doctor in the hospital to monitor Christina's calls, well, and that's how he finds out where they are to send his goons, right? Yeah. Well, okay. So he finds them, but then in the end, it, it's the other same thing. Couldn't? I mean, why did he have to get him? Just wait until he shows up at the hospital. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Right. There's no motivation to find him. He's just like, I want my grandson. Like right now, what's the difference? It's going to be like two or three days. You're right. Why does he care? What does he? It's only a couple of days. It's not like he's driving off with him to disappear. No. And here's the other thing, too, I had is that there can't be that many roads to go from that military academy to the hospital in California. I know that there's a delivery in the interim and they might not have known that. But the other frustrating thing is, is that. It's not that big. If you you know you get a couple of guys on the major interstates, you're going to track them down. It yeah. made no sense. But e- either way, with GPS today, uh, this this would have been far easier for them to find them. I I don't know enough about how what kind of access the general public would have to where trucks necessarily are. Him having a trucking company, he'd find a way. He pulls some strings with whoever yeah. Lincoln Hawk works for. I, just, I assume he works for some trucking company, right? He doesn't have his own because he, no, wants, he wants to go into business. For no, himself. he's an independent. Lincoln Hawk is an independent trucker. They make is a it? big deal about that because in these divisions in the arm wrestling, he's from the independent trucker division. I'm like, are, how many divisions are there? And is there a union trucker division and an independent trucker division? Well, there was a Teamster division, right? There was a Teamster division as well, which I think Harry Bosco. Yeah, Bosco. Bosco. <laughs> An old lady from Seinfeld. Bosco. Yeah, I, uh, who knows? <laughs> but why is he? He's going like I want to go into business for myself. Aren't you already in business for yourself? If that's the, if that's the case, he is. But he, I think it's because he has a junk rig that maybe he doesn't get to haul. It's getting him from place to place. Well, he's not- making the same money as he would with a nice. It's just going to have a nicer cabin. Like yeah. a sleeper in the back and all that. Isn't that all? The, it's, it's the only difference. Maybe You know what, though? But maybe with that sleeper cabin, maybe he could do longer hauls. I don't know. I don't know enough about trucking to, to know. But you know, maybe his route wasn't as lucrative because of the rig that he had. I don't know. Okay. He didn't seem to mind sleeping in the cab. So no. I, I, I don't know. I guess you're right because it does say hawk trucking. Oh, yeah. He is an independent trucker without a doubt. And the independent truckers exist today. Sure. I guess I don't understand the distinction of just like, we're going to business for ourselves. What's, he already how is. is this any different it than is, what you're doing now? It isn't any different. <laughs> maybe so you're right. Maybe, maybe he is just an idiot. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty stupid. I just, I've never really considered that. Thought it out? Yeah. 
Well, one other one that I want just has more money. That's the only difference. Did uh, it's an eighties movie? As as I've said before, it's not a happy ending in an eighties movie unless our main characters are rich. So (laughs) that's just I guess that's all. And they play Dave Bow Bow. (laughs) Not in this movie. They don't. But that's that's they got Sammy Hagar instead of Dave Bow Bow. Did you have one in technology? Because I've got another one that I'd like to cover. I don't have much because I had a hard time because like I was thinking about like there's two halves of this movie. One half is a father son relationship. Which it's doesn't true. rely on technology. Father, no. that hasn't changed much. And then arm wrestling, <laughs> An arm wrestling movie that hasn't changed much. That's like the most primal sport you could imagine. Yeah. So it's. But uh, the one thing I've got in terms of the letters that Lincoln was sending to Michael. All right. That were not making their way to him. Well, it would have been email today, right? That's exactly right. But yeah. with the internet and email and social media. Oh yeah. There's, I, there's no. I missed that one. Good yeah, catch. There's no way that uh, he goes all these twelve years without any contact with you know. At some point, Michael would find out that oh, my father's actually trying to reach out to me. Well, yeah. Cause how he reacts, oh, it's hard to know to know how he'd react. If so. nothing else, as an independent trucker, my guess would be is he would have to have some like business online presence and with a you know contact section and whatever. Sure. And probably maybe a LinkedIn profile. I, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good catch. Absolutely. I don't know if truckers would have a LinkedIn. LinkedIn well, whatever. It's a little more of a corporate thing. But, All right. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I they, guarantee have, you that he's got a Facebook page or something for he, the trucking. Yeah, he'd have a Facebook page and probably a really crappy website. <laughs> I, a G, I, a GeoCities. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think GeoCities exists anymore. But no, I spent many years looking at terrible, terrible towing company websites <laughs> doing research for my job. So like, I, I've seen the worst of the worst website design. But yeah, he would have email at the very least. So my last thing uh, in terms of what would be different, and maybe it's more of a governing body than technology, but Mike is driving that Jeep or whatever he's in that he steals from his grandfather sure. all the way to Vegas because he is not getting past the TSA at the airport. Yeah, I, I thought about that when I was watching it, but then I forgot to put it in this technology segment. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. There's no way he gets past the TSA. Well, he just shows up at the airport and I guess just buys a ticket on the spot. With what money? At no point do you establish well, do they establish at all that he's got money. I guess you could assume he is, he's he is got, a rich kid. He's a rich kid, so yeah, he's got money. He lives in Bel Air. He's got there's money in the couch cushions. You can pull a grand out of the couch. And back then, you could still pay cat walk up and pay cash for a ticket. Today, you can't do that. Yeah, and then he yeah he he's being hunted by his grand. Once he gets to Vegas, he's being hunted by his grandfather's goons and the way he sneaks away is he somehow makes his way onto the tarmac and then ends up in the in with the uh luggage, the, the the luggage the, yeah. the baggage carrier yeah by the way with that scene i'm just gonna do it now because i there's a moment in that sequence it is one of my favorite moments in the movie oh let's talk about it what all right why we want to get to the little detail because i'm done with technology oh, i guess that is next well yeah. my, my last note is just give it 10 years and there won't be any, won't be any more truckers oh that they will all be driverless yeah, yeah. could be that's all. I mean, all right. we're not there yet, so I guess it doesn't quite count. But uh, all right, little details. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. So this is the segment where we get into the absolute minutia, which is probably what we do best. You keep saying that it's what we do best, which puts a lot of pressure on us. Well, whatever. <laughs> all right, I'm going to just open <laughs> it's up. We, it's what our whole po- podcast used to be, and now it's one segment of our podcast. Yes. That's probably more accurate to say. I, I just I want to. <laughs> I refuse to let you pat us on the back all the time. Can't we take credit? I mean, we're working hard no, on this thing. Some humility. We have plenty of humility. No, Mike, it's something you need to do for me. Oh. Only one, only one, only one. 
I hope this stays up on Amazon Prime for a long time so I can just watch this movie to enjoy those two scenes. I don't even remember the scenes. that it's, I know it's, I think, them driving. But the music video is on YouTube. You can watch Kenny Loggins hitchhike anytime you want. The music video, case. but I want to see it in the actual movie. All right, so I don't forget. I'm going to open up with this one. You probably didn't notice it because otherwise you would have had it and known exactly what I was talking about. So when Michael is trying to get off of the plane and the two goons, including Alan Graff, the one guy from the front gate mm-hmm. who... I covered. The first guy says, hey, there's Michael. If you notice the cutscene right before it, there's slot machines right next to the gate. I think that Alan Graff's character, I think he's the way he's motioning. I think he's been playing the slots the whole time, <laughs> waiting for Michael to get off the plane. Sure, probably. Why not? It's outstanding. It, make, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, if you're going to wait for the plane to come in. I That's just, why they put those. Well, I love there. the fact that they they're supposed to be right, like looking for this kid. All right, we got one guy watching it. I'm all right. I'm just gonna put a few quarters in here and play the slots. Yeah. It brought a huge <laughs> smile to my face. That's what you do in the Vegas airport. What's the Vegas airport called? McCarran. Uh, McCarran International yeah. Airport. Yes. That's what you do there. You're waiting for a flight, or you're waiting to pick up somebody from a flight. You play play the slots. Absolutely. So sorry. I ha- I because we had been talking about that. I wanted to open with that one. Sure. I wonder if they get like an expense account from Robert Loja. Oh, absolutely, they get do. You know, they're they're spending so, his money. So what you're saying he's gambling, right? Cutler's money. Yeah, they're just it was gas money. You know? Yeah, we had a cab. We had a few things. Sure. Yeah, we just round up. They're expensing all that. Uh, okay, so I've got a million details about the the whole oh. arm wrestling championship. Okay, so you want to start there? Well, I mean, we can save it if you want, but I have no. it at the top because it's just, all right. Let, let's I've do got it. a ton of stuff. First of all, everyone is wearing platform shoes. I didn't see that at all. Really? Yeah, it's like multi- three or four shots of wow arm wrestlers wearing platform shoes, like disco stew style, practically fish in the shoes style. Wow! No, I did not shoes. notice that at all. I'd be happy to find it if you want. If you want evidence, but, I noticed uh, a lot about apparel but, uh, for the arm wrestlers, but I completely missed the platform shoes. Get to it because I have plenty of apparel notes also. All right. Well, so for me. I have that apparently arm wrestlers wear polo shirts while others push Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> well, Some that, like Budweiser. Others have TWA shirts on. Maybe a solo flex. Oh, I missed the TWA guy. I wrote down all of the different uh, T-shirts and things. Because, yeah, I liked the guy in the polo shirt because he stood out. of just like, hi there, guys. I'm just here. He's just like wearing so, okay, regular street clothes. Everyone's wearing muscle shirts. And- I had a question for you on this guy. Okay. All right. So before we, we get to, to more of yours. Red and white uh, striped shirt. Is that the guy you're talking about? Yeah, I think so. So, so, oh, no, I thought it was blue, and he had glasses. Oh, I saw a guy in red and white stripes, also right, so, with glasses. Well, but. I, this, this ties into the divisions, because we, we alluded to it a little bit, that there's a Teamsters division, yes. an inter- independent truckers division. I wanted to know, I tried to figure out, this polo shirt guy, what division could he possibly have been representing? Is there like a yachting division? What, where do you think that the polo guy was coming from? Do you think the shirts that they wear denotes what division they're in? Oh, I, I absolutely think so. See, I, I don't know. It just seemed like... Because the Teamsters, I think that, I think it was Harry Bosco, he had a Budweiser shirt, and Budweiser definitely would have been delivered by like a Teamster truck, without a doubt. I don't remember. He might have had Alka-Seltzer as well, though. So that one, I can't explain yeah. away. The guy at the Alka-Seltzer shirt was the Teamster representative. He came out of the Teamster division. Wasn't that Harry Bosco? Yeah. Didn't he wear the Alka-Seltzer? He wears that, and he wears a Budweiser. He wears two yeah, different okay. shirts. Yeah, that's, we're talking, so talking I, about the okay, same guy. Yeah, I couldn't explain away the Alka-Seltzer, but the Budweiser makes sense a Teamster would be wearing that. But I don't think it's any kind of like... I don't think we're supposed to believe that the thing that they're wearing is mandated by their really? division or whatever. I oh, I thought just, so. These are their clothes. I figured... Okay, so 
so I extrapolated out the solo flex guy. He must come from like the bodybuilders or something. He's, you know, there's got to be a division for like bodybuilders, and that's the solo flex guy. I mean, none of this stuff is clear, but I didn't presume that every single competitor is coming from some specific right. division. I just feel like, okay, there's a branch set aside for... The like, Canadians? Well, he's a Canadian champion, but I don't know if that necessarily means like a, a separate tournament. But it's like, my the way I interpreted that was it's like, okay, all the truck drivers have their own tournament, and then the champion of that tournament gets to compete. It's like a World Series of Poker event. It's like, well, if you win this event, you can go to the World Series of Poker. Right? So, like, all the truckers have, they, the truckers have their own event. They all compete. The winner of that event gets to come to the World Championships. The Teamsters have their own event. They, the winner of that gets to compete. Okay. But then everybody else is just like, these guys are all professional arm wrestlers. And I, I didn't think every single person came out of some specific... Even the polo shirt guy? I mean... Come on. That, give me something. Meet me halfway. The polo <laughs> shirt guy. <laughs> I mean, you could be right. Our listeners are going to hate us. We cannot play this enough. Every time it gets played, you get more and more into it. It's That's so awesome. The, the listeners are not getting the full picture here. Because no, they're not. Mike, Mike is, every time you get more and more <laughs> into lip syncing so that. Awesome. Um, no, it, there's, we cannot play that enough. All right. So I don't care if, they get, if the listeners get sick of it because <laughs> we're not going to get sick of it. So what That's going to be in every episode from this point forward. What you're telling me is you're not going to give me that that guy came from some division. He just happened to decide to be the only guy wearing a polo shirt. <laughs> I mean, none of this is clear, but... I didn't assume that everybody came from some specific. Oh, wait a minute! Division. There's a red polo shirt. There's more, but that seems like a spectator. Yeah, that guy. I don't think was a competitor. I'm trying to find these platform shoes, but I'm not sure I'm going to find them. I don't remember <laughs> I think where. You're making up the platform no. There was shoes. like there was a montage, and there were like three straight shots of of platform guys shoes. Guys wearing platform shoes. I assumed it was some kind of like thing to like get leverage or something. You know, it's like more height. The higher you are up, maybe maybe it gives them leverage. It's it's early. I feel like it's really early in. The competition. There was the solo flex. Anyway, I don't think we're going to find it. All right, take my word for it. I I derailed this because I wanted to focus on the shirts. What what else do you want to want to cover? I've got some more shirts. So uh, the main bad guy, Bull Hurley, is that his last name? Something like that. Yeah, I think it's Hurley. He's wearing a shirt that says Blaster on it, which I don't know what that's for. John Grizzly is wearing a shirt that says Fubar on it. (laughs) That's that's before or after he drinks Valvoline. Uh, He he thinks he's wearing it the whole time. So before and after. He he doesn't get it. You know, like you're supposed to have that can of Pepsi just turned perfectly to see the label. That Val. It's hard to read. He, he really needs to get his product placement down better. That's after he swallows a cigar also. Oh, I forgot about the cigar. It's very right. combustible. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not gasoline. Could, I think it's He could have spontaneously oil. combusted. Yeah, he could have. It seemed a pretty. It seems like a dangerous combination. <laughs> after he's been eliminated, there's a shot of him dr- putting Alka-Seltzer into a, some water and drinking it. I thought it was a funny gag. I, I'm going to tell you right now, John, he was my favorite competitor by far and away. Yeah, he looked like uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> he kind of came in a little bit like a bushwhacker, too, <laughs> when he came in. There's a lot of professional wrestling in this. In the way this movie presents it absolutely um i've got my list of wrestling likes later later but anyway there's a guy who's wearing a t-shirt that says the incredible bulk i missed that (laughs) Uh, i think it's on the back of a guy's shirt okay um there's a guy with a duracell shirt which is obviously product placement because we saw the duracell uh, along with fujitsu and pepsi yes well we actually i meant to talk about this in the big picture and then we forgot we skipped it but like when they get to this event there's this backstage area that's like it looks like a convention area where right. there's a bunch of like booths set up and it's like oh come see there's a Pepsi one there's a Budweiser Duracell and Fuji right that's those are the four 
I believe that's true. What did you have? I had Duracell, Fujitsu, Pepsi. Was there another one? And Budweiser. Oh, I missed the Budweiser. I didn't see it in it's, there. But it was off to the right, if I okay. recall. Okay. You're right, because I, I didn't understand the booths. I'm like, why does this have, like, booths? I thought this was a sporting event. Yeah, like it's some kind of convention, like an exhibitor convention. <laughs> well, also, the time you see, because it's when Michael's sneaking around, he sees uh, your, what, whatever that guy's name was. Al, I don't remember the character. Uh, Alan Gray. The, for the guy from yeah. uh, Deadwood. Yep. And you see these booths, and it's during the finals. The finals are going on elsewhere, and there's people just walking around like, "Oh, Pepsi!" It's like, "What? Oh, are, <laughs> did you pay? A, did you pay money for this ticket to see the arm wrestling championships?" And, and if going, so, and getting like a crystal Pepsi, you're or missing something. it. Yeah, and check out the Duracell booth in the back. <laughs> Why are these booths here? Yeah, I don't understand it. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but you're right. It's not like it's a pretzel stand or something. Like get some, some yeah, concessions. Get, get like yeah. Well, maybe the Pepsi. You might be able to get a sample. I don't think there's any. I don't think you can get a Pepsi at that stand. It was just a guy handing out like you like know, coupons or something. No, it was just like marketing materials. It's just like pamphlets he's handing out, and it says the choice of a new generation. <laughs> Get ready for our new Crystal Pepsi coming in 1988. I'll bet that stuff was just set up for some convention when they were filming in Vegas. And it's just like, get a shot of it. I don't know. Send that guy through the shot. And, you know, it was just like some <laughs> some kind of marketing or advertising convention. You're probably right. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, the, the T-shirts, because I talked about Duracell. Okay, there's a guy that has a T-shirt that says Sports Cream. I guess that's some product. I'd never heard of it. I assumed so, too. Uh, yeah, Harry Bosco's wearing Alka-Seltzer. There's a guy that ha- on the back of his shirt, it just says, awesome, and there's a picture of a shark. <laughs> I want that shirt. Yeah, it, I don't know what's on the front of the shirt, but it's actually kind of awesome. It's legitimately <laughs> awesome. And then there's a woman, one of the women who's competing has a backhoe on the back of her shirt. It seemed like for some kind of construction company. Uh, and then, yeah, the red and white striped golf shirt, which I had. <laughs> just like, oh, and then this guy. This guy in a polo. It's just like a regular. All these guys are like, oh, we're going to crush what, you. got like <laughs> right. sleeves torn off. Yeah, muscle shirts. And muscle then shirts. One guy in a it's like golf shirt. It's, it's like he wandered in to the wrong competition. Yeah. It's like he thought that there was a golf tournament. He's like, oh, I entered an arm wrestle. All right. <laughs> I, I guess that I'm just going to arm wrestle. I'll do my best, guys. Yeah, and then it's okay. The movie explains what a double elimination is four times. Remember, this is oh, a double elimination. That is about all the announcer lets the audience know. Well, he announces the competitors and tells them but that's, what division they're from, if, if applicable. Yes. Uh, okay, and then all my wrestler copies. So we talked about Jim Duggan. That's uh, whatever. I, I already forgot his name. Uh, John Grizzly. John Grizzly, yes. Thank you. Uh, the main bad guy kind of looks like Big Show, who we saw. Yeah, in, uh, you're right. In uh, kindergarten. Co- or no, Jingle All the Way. Yeah. There's one guy who kind of looks like Randy Savage, but way bigger. I forget that guy's name. They Ooh. give him a name. Uh, there's a one shot of a guy who looks exactly like Superfly Jimmy Snuka. He's got a headband and kind of like long curly hair. Yep. Okay. You I know, know the guy, guy I'm talking about. Yeah. And then uh, there's a guy I thought looked like Lou Albano. He gets, he's getting slapped in the face when, when I think we saw him a minute yes. ago when he's You're wandering right. through the crowd and yeah. And can, can you help me understand that? That's in one of my questions is, is slapping in the face. Does that help you arm wrestle? I guess. Cause, Cause it happens two multiple times. It. Yes. I mean, according to this movie, it does. That's okay. all I can say. All right. <laughs> The, our, the movie is leading us to believe that that will help you in an arm wrestling competition. We're not sure how accurate the, the depiction this is of arm wrestling competitions. I actually do know how accurate it is, and we'll get to it later. <laughs> oh, the Silk Cozart. Right, go ahead. What do you got for, for details? Okay, so what I learned from this is that military uh, academy clothing is extremely cheaply made. Because if you just <laughs> slightly pull down on a sleeve, oh, you're right. it just tears right off. 
Well, he's trying to pull him out of traffic, so I'm sure he yanked pretty hard. Okay, but then when they're fixing the other one, he doesn't have to pull very hard to rip the other one clean off, so then Michael has matching sleeveless jacket. <laughs> when did that happen? I don't think I noticed that. Uh, it's somewhere, maybe I wasn't paying that close attention. It's somewhere where they're on the road and they've stopped. It might be just after they sleep in the cab, maybe? Okay. Or before that. But yes, he, he tears the other one off for him so that... Uh, Is it when they go into the diner when they fir- he has his first arm wrestling competition? No, because Michael still looks ridiculous with only one <laughs> sleeve on that Boy, for, for I, those I, scenes. I was not paying attention to that at but, all. But you know what? Ironically enough, because I really don't want to do this again, but I'm pretty sure when they do the workout montage, and I have it here in my little details because this was my first reference to it, the first use of... Meet me halfway. Sure, yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure that that's where... You were actually referring to the song in this case, so I guess yeah. I don't have to play it. Yeah. Or should uh, I play it? I'm, no, you don't have to okay. for this. I'm pretty sure that that workout montage, right before it, is when he rips off the other sleeves. <laughs> Michael has a completely sleeveless oh, military that, jacket. That makes total sense. It was part of that montage? Yeah, I think it's right... Like, the beginning leading up to it is when... Uh, he rips off the other jacket. But Look, so what I learned Stallone is, is very strong. You're, you're assuming you're assuming that the clothing is bad, but maybe he, that's he wins the the worldwide arm wrestling championship. You know, maybe maybe that's why the arm comes off easily and not okay. the, that it's badly made. This is not the why, devil's why advocate. You, give... you do not need to try and justify it. It's, it's poorly made clothing. If anybody can rip off a jacket, it's, a military jacket, it's, it's the winner of the national of the, the arm wrestling international. This is the world championship, right? The world uh, arm wrestling championship. Well, there was a Canadian. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure where the rest of the foreigners were because I learned a little bit about arm wrestling. And it seems like there are never anybody from non-Eastern Bloc nations that win arm wrestling competitions. That is very true. I mean, I'd, I wouldn't say never, but yeah, that's yeah. definitely where the sport is biggest. Okay, so uh, I've got plenty more. What, uh, what would you like to volley with next? Well, okay, let me find my notes about that diner, because I definitely want to talk about the diner they first start on, and he, uh, Michael gives his Health. information about yeah, it. Yeah, he needs like an egg white omelet. For someone who exercises, you know very little about nutrition, nutrition. whatever he says. So he, uh, they're having their meal. First of all, they order a meal. Michael orders, and uh, yeah. Lincoln Hawk's like, fine, whatever, I'll get that. And then he says, maybe you'd rather go to McDonald's. Like, Didn't you just order? You're going to walk out on your order? It's like, really? I don't remember that. He mutters it. It's like, maybe, we, maybe you want to go to McDonald's oh. instead. Which is a stupid thing to say. First of all, you just ordered. And second of all, he just gave a big speech about nutrition. Even in 1987, people knew that McDonald's is not nutritious food. <laughs> But what it is, is it's a place where you can get up and do a nice little dance move. Keep going. Why are you on this smacking me kick lately? (laughs) Because I love that sequence. Yes, but it's... Of late, you've been making references to that movie so random that I don't even know where they're coming from. That's why I was so perplexed on Twitter. It's like, I don't even know... it, it It was so out of left field. And here you are doing it again. It's just like you've got macking me on the mind. I thought it was totally appropriate. I mean, fine. Yes, I brought up McDonald's. Fair enough. Thank you. Okay. All right. I'll meet you halfway. <laughs> oh, I had it. I had it in the wrong spot. Meet me halfway. <laughs> it's the best. Mike's definitely not getting sick of this. I'll tell you that. No, I'm not. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not. That has to be like the tenth time you played it. It makes me <laughs> smile least. every time. <laughs> At least. So sorry, we want in oh, the so diner the, with the ordering. A guy comes by. So I hear you're the best arm wrestler. Yeah, bull. Well, no, it's a different guy. Bull's there, but some other guy challenges him. Oh, he Lincoln, challenges him to him for $1,000. And Bull happens to be there, and he's like, who are you? He asks Michael, "Who? why are you with this guy? Right? And he's like, oh, I'm his son. Oh, sorry to hear. Whatever he says. Yeah. Some, some, but they go into the back of this diner. Tell, tell me, 
<laughs> this is just a like roadside diner, right? Or some kind of like okay, greasy well, spoon. It's got a bar there, but it's like I think so. And if you're getting where I'm getting, I had this in my questions. Probably it makes no sense. There's is this like <laughs> there's a dedicated arm wrestling table? <laughs> absolutely. And the entire restaurant, all the patrons, all the waitresses, it all, all the clears cooks, out. It clears out. They drop what they're doing. I don't. I don't care. I'm in the middle of a bite. Drop everything. We've got to watch this arm wrestling match. <laughs> I didn't have a question. It was just. I just wanted to bring it up and talk about it because it's just so preposterous. This is. This whole restaurant is just. It must be like the theme of the restaurant. It's. It's like, you know, like the restaurants where it's like the big steak. This guy's gonna try to eat the big steak. The old ninety six. You know, and they just like stop. Stop everything, everybody. This guy's gonna. You know, they they put him up on a big stage and you got to eat the steak. It, it's like that, but for arm wrestling. <laughs> I I honestly I could not figure it out because what what I did try to understand I had this question and I guess we're kind of getting to it are there other truck stops because there's a it, there's an independent truckers division that you have to qualify for so are there other like qualifying plate truck stops somewhere throughout the country that have like qualifying rounds oh maybe you think this doubles as like a, a what would you call it? It's like a, it's like a preliminary arena? event. Yeah, like a preliminary event. Is the are these where are that is that where those are held? Yeah, maybe. And then I had this whole idea that then Teamster Union halls in certain cities have the same setup somewhere in the back because there's a Teamsters division. I had this whole idea that it's sort of like, and maybe it's because I've got this on the mind of John Wick, where it's this world that there's these hotels <laughs> that only. You know, people that are in a assassin profession are allowed to stay. That in this world, in the over-the-top world, there's union halls that have arm wrestling in the back. There's truck stops. I had that there are yacht clubs because I thought that the polo guy came from the yachting division. I mean, I, I enjoy that idea, but you're projecting that into the movie. Oh, I but, know that I am. Um, <laughs> it's a fun idea. You're right, though. It, it does kind of depict this world of... Like the arm wrestling, like you're saying, everybody, you're right in the middle of a bite. Oh my god, I need to see this! And they crowd around. They form, form like a whole wall of humans, and it's just yeah, yeah. They're just going crazy. There's, I think there's people betting on it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there are definitely people betting. Like, think about that. How are you possibly handicapping that? Outside of the fact, well, They're it looks both, like this guy's got big arms. I mean, how are you handicapping that? Well, no, uh, everyone knows that Lincoln Hawk is the, one of the best out there because he says, like, I want to challenge you. Okay. Right? So at least they know Lincoln Hawk the is favorite. a known quantity. Yeah. yeah. What, what about this other guy? Yeah, presumably Lincoln Hawk would be the favorite because people know that he's a great arm wrestler. All right. That's one, you know, a thing that I didn't bring up when we were talking about the big picture that it's worth <laughs> mentioning is, you know, like I said, there's kind of two halves of this movie. There's the family drama and there's the arm wrestling drama. If you just isolate the arm wrestling part of this movie, there are absolutely no obstacles for Stallone's character to overcome. He starts an awesome arm wrestler, and he just wins the competition because he's the best. There's no training. There's no, like, oh, I didn't. Well, wait a minute. He's got he loses one match. <laughs> yeah, but he's got some training because he's in the truck with his little rigged up. Uh, yeah, he works out and exercises because, of course, he does. He has to be. He has to keep his arms strong for the competitions. But it's, there's, you, there's Did you no, want a Rocky montage? Is that what you wanted? I wanted something. There's, like, no obstacle in the way. He just wins because he's the best, and there's no drama to that. It's just like he didn't. I guess he does lose once, and he loses faith in himself. But it has nothing to do with the sports side of it. it that's more like the family part of the the story. Well, the one thing I I'd like to go back because I did have some notes on this truck stop, but it was more on the guy you're talking about. Smasher is what I have as his name. Okay, 
here's what I have on him. He doesn't believe anything. So he hears this, but I don't believe That's anything. Right. I don't believe anything. And this guy, he's willing to bet he can tear a man's arm off. He just met this guy, and as you said, Lincoln Hawk has this reputation that he is a tough man to beat, mm-hmm. but he's willing to bet that he can tear a man's arm off. Smasher didn't get what he deserved. He deserved far worse. He deserved like Bull ripping his arm off after this competition <laughs> for the fact that he doesn't believe anything and that he's willing to bet that he could tear a man's arm off. Somebody he just met. He loses. That's enough comeuppance. What more could he... You wanted his arm to be ripped off? Like What, what yes, exactly did you want? That's what I think I want. Okay. I mean, he's such a minor character. He's just there to be destroyed so that we can learn that Stallone is awesome at arm wrestling. All right, fair enough. And then Michael's like, you're a hustler, which didn't seem correct to me. Like, he didn't hustle him. He told him, I'm Oh, yeah, Michael best. does. Yeah, he, well, how did he hustle him? He yeah, didn't at he all. Didn't, he didn't hustle him at all. The guy came up to him and said, I hear you're the best. I want to. The I guy wanna, came, comes up to him, challenges him. That's not a hustle. A yeah. hustle is you throw something to make it look like you're terrible. My, right. Michael might not be as smart as he likes to play think, because he clearly doesn't have a lot in the world of street smarts. Yeah, he doesn't have any street smarts. It's more like the gunslinger thing of just like, yeah. I hear you're the best, and I'm going to test Challenge my, you. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that opening scene when he picks Michael up. At the military academy. Okay. All right, a few things. So one, I, I really enjoyed that sequence that you get when Lincoln is cleaning the truck, and then he cleans himself up. He's, he's looking at his hair. He's combing it. He's combing it, combing it. And then he gets finished, looks at himself for a second, and then just shakes it all out. Total waste of time getting his hair slicked back to like look nice, and then he just shakes it all out. Uh, he looks like a square. He is embarrassed by how he looked. So I really did enjoy, too, that he's, he sports a clip-on tie. It was such a nice <laughs> touch of the pulling off of the clip-on tie. I did like that, too. I actually noticed that it was a clip-on tie before he pulled it off. Did you? I could see the little metal thing. I was like, there's a clip-on tie. <laughs> I didn't. That's a good catch. Yeah. But what I really wanted to cover are the comments from the people picking up their kids. Yeah, I was wondering about that, too. I had that in my questions, but go ahead. All right, so I just I just noted them. Well, one, why do these parents care? This place is massive. And yes, I understand he pulled up in a big rig, so maybe the first people that happen to be there, I can understand them saying something, but he's walking all through this place, and people are like looking at him. Well, who's this right. guy? But I have it. I've got a, who's he? What's he doing here? Right. <laughs> but he's just the, walking through the campus. Yes, but the best one, this is the best. Excuse me, can I get you to pay attention? Because somebody's trying to take a picture, but the best. Forget about him. Pay attention to me. I'm trying to get a picture here. It was <laughs> outstanding. I did not notice that one. Uh, the only reason I happen to have closed captioning on for one of my viewings, and okay, I sure. picked up all of them in that. Yeah, because it would be one thing if he was attending the, I don't know if it's graduation, it's like the end of the year, there's like a ceremony. Yeah, but he missed and that. He missed it, right. But it's like one of those things where it's like maybe parents are expected to dress formally and he's not properly dressed and okay. people would be snobby about it. I can understand that, but no, he just pulled up in his truck and you're right, now he's like, he's walked for a couple of blocks, he's miles away from his truck, people are still commenting like, look at that slob or whatever. He's just walking through the campus. You have to be formally dressed just to walk into campus. And it's some of the delivery, like it, when I listen to it, it's almost as if this, this campus is so tight-knit that everybody, all the parents know each other, and it's as if, who is this guy? No way with it as large as a class that it's depicted to be that most of those parents would have any clue who the others were. Yeah, I mean, this movie wants there to be a, a class distinction. Like, I wouldn't go so far as to say slobs versus snobs because I don't think it's necessarily depicting him as a slob. Or, and, and also, Robert Loja's character is sometimes somewhat reasonable. Yeah. Like, it's not... He's a villain, but 
He's but it's, not, o- it's obvious that the movie is part of the difficulty between Lincoln Hawk and Michael is that they come from different classes and he's very working class and this kid is a rich kid and it's a part of the movie but the way the movie is establishing it is so clunky yeah just like who's that <laughs> who's that monstrous man <laughs> walking through the campus uh, so I, I that, that's all I really had on that opening scene I really wanted to cover the reactions from the other parents were, were ridiculous it was ridiculous I, I noted them as well back to that steakhouse I have one note that I meant to bring up and I forgot okay the song that's playing on the jukebox when they walk in ooh nothing jumped out at you I don't remember it no do you want to take a guess what might have jumped out there's nobody that we're looking out for that maybe you're related oh, to Frank to, to, to Celeste. That's right. I had looked this up on Wikipedia first because I was waiting for this to be played. Yeah. I knew, but I didn't know it was the song on the juke. I didn't there's, know what song it was. There's a song on the soundtrack by... You guessed it. Frank Stallone. <laughs> I'm so ready to be on a game show. Yeah. It was, it was in the background and it's kind of hard to hear, but yeah, the Frank Stallone song. It's, it's one, this is the song they play when they... I don't know if the Oh, yeah. About, now it does. When they're walking into the... Yeah. It's a bad song. It is a terrible song. <laughs> is this our first Frank Stallone? No, he was in Rocky. Uh, did you play the Frank Stallone? I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. No, I definitely did. I remember I played it, I remember I played it twice. I remember saying I have to play it twice because he appeared twice. Oh, okay. But I All think right, that so might be the only yeah, this one. This is the second so, one. Yeah, this is the second one so far. All right. It's pretty few and far between. I was hoping for more, but so far it's been, you know. Well, here's, in, here's I mean, Stallone, Sylvester Stallone got his brother a song on the soundtrack. He pulled some strings, I'm sure. On a soundtrack with many, many other famous musicians. Yeah, he, sure. he gets to stand alongside Kenny Loggins and Sammy Hagar as if he's their equal, when he is absolutely not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't have too much other. The one thing I did notice, well, I've already talked about it, I'm a little bit ad nauseum, but the you get a little shot there when that gate gets driven down, and apparently the Pinkerton Detective Agency still is in existence because... Though, oh, yeah. Though, they still exist. Even today? I'm pretty sure. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't notice them in this movie, but they yeah, definitely so exist. Yeah, so at the front gate, the, the, the guys that I'm talking, the one that I highlighted, which is also one of the reasons I had my note that it's ironic that from the show Deadwood that he's most famous for, that he is a Pinkerton uh, detective agent. Yeah. I mean, I think nowadays they're less... They have a less official... Like back back in like the nineteenth century, they were like basically oh, the the investigation wing of the federal government. Yeah, the, yeah. the federal government of the United States just kind of farmed out their investigations to the Pinkertons. Yeah, because of how effective and famous that their organization right. was. Now yeah. that the FBI exists, they right. don't do that anymore. But yeah, I think they're still a private investigation. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I also like because yeah. When uh, Michael steals that uh, Jeep and drives out, I love that they're, they're still fixing the gate <laughs> as oh, he's driving out. <laughs> yes, they are. You're right. Uh, I enjoyed that detail. Here's the one thing I wanted to know. Right. Uh, this is not necessarily a question. Maybe it is just an observation. I did love the fact that just a couple of random bullies are playing in an arcade, I guess at another truck stop, and they're just willing to engage with some total stranger in an arm wrestling match. Well, it's worth noting that there is no dedicated arm wrestling table at Ooh, that place. you're right. It's just, a, have, it's just have, a Super Mario Brothers game. Sure, but they have to do their arm wrestling on a pinball table, so. And it seems like that could be dangerous. Like, if you slammed it too hard, you could, like, break the glass. <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, you're right. I think that glass is pretty tough. Yeah, because they don't want people, people get pretty angry yeah, when they're playing pinball. Tilt, tilt. <laughs> right. I've got a lot of notes. I'm trying to call the best ones. I did enjoy because once there's there's the moment where everything's gone bad and Michael's angry at uh, Lincoln Hawk for delaying him and he missed he didn't have a chance to say goodbye to his mother. And there's a moment where Stallone's parked his truck on the beach 
in California, and he's just looking out at a sunset. Yeah. And he's just got a flashlight, and he's just playing with it. I just, for some reason... Oh, I forgot that to write that. I, that jumped I, out of me. I don't know if I had that in my questions, because I think I did. I wanted to ask you, is this something truckers do to pass the time? I don't know what is going... It seems significant, almost like there's a cut scene that's like... The flashlight is representing their relationship or something. It's like a weird, it's weirdly prominent, and he's just like flicking it on and off. Okay, you know what? I, I'm skipping like morning flashlight. I'm skipping on my devil's advocates, but because we're on topic, I, my question was is there some sort of morning process involving flashlights and trucks? <laughs> yeah. Wait, and trucks parked perilous, perilously close to the water's edge. Because if you go back and look, You're right, that's true. The, one of the rear tires, it's not halfway off, but it's like a third of the way off of the pier or whatever that he's on. Yeah. I had no clue what that flashlight was about. Okay, I also had the question. So and and just... it, it did feel like a scene that there was more to that scene that got cut. Because it's a very quick scene. It's as if Michael gave him the flashlight, and now he's holding on to it yeah, as he's it holding be. on to their relationship or something. It feels like it should be representative of something, but it's completely not. Yeah. Okay, just a couple of like freeze-frame things where I, I wrote down some text on screen. The letter that Mike reads, right? He, he oh, finds yeah, from, all the letters. In the, he, in the purse, right. And he opens one. Would you like me to read the text from this letter? Okay. <laughs> the only reason why it jumped out to me is for the first sentence of this letter is not what you would expect. Okay. Here we go. Mike, I am writing this from Indonesia. <laughs> what? When does this trucker have time or money. the money to take a vacation in Indonesia? Maybe it wasn't a vacation. Maybe it's John Rambo and he had a mission in Indonesia. I thought you were going to say he was hauling something to Indonesia. <laughs> no. Get on a boat and wait two months and I'll get there soon. Mike, I'm writing this from Indonesia. A place that's very different from everywhere I've ever been. I wish you could be here with me so you could see and share everything together. How is everything with you? I hope you're still doing good in school. Take care, Mike. I'll write again soon. Love, Dad. <laughs> so Mike wasn't missing much from no, these letters. He was not. If that's <laughs> indicative of what the letters were. What's bizarre to me is he's been like... How are you? I hear. I hope you're still doing good in school. How is he getting these communiques? I guess. I guess Lincoln's still talking to Christina, but it's yeah, like, because she's sending him pictures. So I mean, he. That's he, true. That's yeah, I think it might be just one way, but but he's but, not getting anything from Mike. So why yeah. So the how how are you? It's, it would seem. Yeah, it would seem like at some point he would call out Christina why he's not getting anything back from Michael. Yeah. None of this backstory makes sense. I mean, maybe we should just get to questions so we can talk about this because I have a million questions. I feel like I had one more detail I wanted to touch on. Uh, I I have a million more details about the actual competition. Oh, another thing I wanted to bring up. I'll ask you for a ruling. Okay. Do you think Robert Loggia is a Zeus of this movie? I I think he's borderline. Okay, so... To explain, in in Hercules in New York, Zeus is just off... Just comment. He's just looking at the story and commenting on the action. He's not actually involved. And in uh, a number of our Bad Puns and Machine Guns episodes, we did have Zeus's of the movie. Yeah, we dubbed them Zeus's. Just any character that's just off on their own, not really involved in the story. But I, mean, I think Robert Loggia is involved in the story. He's involved in the story, but I will tell you, he's pretty close. Cause he's close. Outside of the, the final like confrontation scene of when he makes him the offer in the, at the Las Vegas Hilton... Every other time it cut back, it's like, I don't care. I mean, it, honestly, it doesn't, all of this doesn't matter because, again, we, we know he's going to the hospital. So at some point, you could just confront him at the hospital. Right. And then after that, because the movie has kind of alluded to this, this competition, you know it's going to wind up in Las Vegas. So in reality, I'm not sure how much you really need Jason Cutler, but 
he does drive the plot of driving this wedge between Michael and... Does he, though? Because the wedge is caused by them getting there late anyway. And I don't think Cutler really delayed them. All right, so yeah, maybe not. He doesn't have much impact on the plot except for the self-inflicted wound that was Lincoln (laughs) crashing through his gate. Yeah. No, it's very. If it's not, if he's not a Zeus, it it's as close as you can be without it, being it. It's close. I think in the end, he's got multiple scenes with Stallone, and I think based on that alone, like normally when we talk about a Zeus of the movie, it's, it's like a character who literally never interacts with any other characters and just off like the Pope. In, I was uh, going to say the probably the days. best example, almost better than Zeus in Hercules in New York, yeah. is the Pope in End of Days. So stupid. Yeah. A character that the movie keeps cutting to. What do you think about this character that's unrelated to anything? I think when you said on that episode, what do you think about this pope? Yeah, that's the, that's the typical Zeus of the movie. Okay, I agree. It's not a Zeus. Yeah, but very close. Yeah. All right. Uh, so do you have anything else that you want to cover in yeah, more just, details? Just a few last details about the competition at the end, and then we can move on. So I love the final competition, how nine refs come out. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's such a weird little detail. It is, and it's so... I assumed that each of those refs had covered the tables during the competition. And it's like they need like an intro. Like they need to have been, you know, they're, they're as big as the, as the final table. They come out like a high school football team for the homecoming game. They yes. may as well have a piece of paper that they run <laughs> to through. To just run through, you're right. Yeah. But also we never talked about the cutaways to the interviews that they do of all oh, the different competitors, which is worth talking about. Bolsta has some good stuff in there. <laughs> Doesn't even belong there. <laughs> what did he say? I actually, well, let me find them. I think I have those notes somewhere. Yeah, I, I loved all those. And I loved that they kind of just treat Stallone like another competitor. Like, the movie doesn't give him special treatment when it comes to the interview segments. It's just like they cut to him like any of the other ones. They give him about equal time. You know, it, it's, yeah. it almost feels like a TV broadcast. And you get a little bit because that's where you get, well, yeah, I want to turn my hat around. It's like, yeah, the switch is flipped, and then I'm like a machine, like a truck. Like a truck. Yeah, I feel like a different person. So bad. I mean, that's kind of the defining thing of this movie. I know it's the defining thing. He turns his hat around. I can't believe it took us this long to get to it. It's so stupid. It's a psychological edge. He's giving himself a psychological edge. There's no edge. I think I I totally buy it. it. It reminds me of. Basketball free throw uh, uh, routines. You know what I mean? It's just a routine. It, it, it's, it's something that puts him into the mindset. Every, okay. I mean, it, it, that's why I buy it. Because how did, how did every Bol- single basketball player, when they go to the free throw line, they have a routine. They do the exact same thing every time. That, that you is might true say, for muscle that memory. Doesn't, that doesn't help, but it does because it is, yeah, it's muscle memory. Okay. And it's, it's a psychological edge. It makes you feel comfortable, and it's like, it why, makes him feel like a machine. How, how, is, how does Bull win five championships when he doesn't – what's his routine? Because he never came across Lincoln Hawk. Okay. <laughs> the machine. Maybe if Bull had his own uh, He had his own trucker hat to yeah. turn around. Anyway, I can't find what uh, Bull says, but... Uh, oh, wait, I found it. That's my arm wrestling table. That's my area. He's got no shit in business being there. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. That is great. Oh, and then it cuts to him later. All I want to do is hurt him, cripple him, get him off the table so he never dares try to compete with me again. Bull was good. I liked Bull. He's a decent... Like, he should have been the villain. He's actually kind of kind of soft he's, in a way. Like he's, when, when they cut to those interviews, he's just kind of talking like a regular guy. He's not screaming, and, oh, I'm an angry giant man he's just like yeah i'm gonna beat him i'm gonna he, break his arm and i'm gonna he's just talking matter, like, of fact, very he, matter of fact he is not wwf at all well he is when he's out there 
when doesn't, he's, when he, doesn't he go, when like, he's, I'm going to destroy you. When, when he's trying, yes, in the crowd and when he's trying to psych him out. But during during the, the side interview, he is not WWF at all. I mean, I guess it's kind of why I like those interviews. They're so matter of fact. They're so casual. Yeah. They're just hanging out by a truck, by the, the prize truck. Okay, last thing. Then we'll go to questions. I'm sorry. But I loved the match against Bosco or Stallone. Uh, Lincoln Hawk beats Bosco. In like two seconds. It's so funny because there's like... Bosco's not happy with the grip. He's like, I keep like cutting off my thumb. He's got my thumb. He's got my thumb. And the ref says something that made me laugh so much. He goes, I am the ref. Get your elbow back in there. He just screams at him. I am the ref. I do remember that. So not only do you get all nine refs, they're power hungry as well. Yeah, because my note is any ref that says I am the ref is no true ref. (laughs) Do you think that paraphrase of Game of Thrones? Do you think that ref... That's a paraphrase of Game of Thrones? Any king that says, I am the king, is no true king. Oh, man. So any ref that says, I am the ref, is no true ref. Who said that? Uh, it's, uh, what's, uh, Charles Dan says it to Joffrey. Oh, yes, you're right. Uh, Tywin Lannister. I think it's after the Red Wedding. And yeah, you're right. Something, something. What I was going to say, so is that ref the Ed Hockley of arm wrestling <laughs> yeah, refs? you're right. He totally is the Ed Hockley of arm wrestling refs. That's a great comment. <laughs> <laughs> and people outside of the U.S. will not understand that reference at all. But it's amazing. I haven't watched the honestly, and I'm sure he's retired. I think now. he's retired. But I haven't watched an NFL game probably in at least five or six years. I will remember the name Ed Hockley yeah. for the rest of my life. The most famous sports official maybe in history, probably. Yeah, I, well, no, Tim Donahue. Okay, yeah, that's true. Oh, but for you know. Much worse reasons than Ed Hockley being famous. All right. Time for the Devil's let's, Advocate. Let's do questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. So this is the segment where Kevin and I ask each other answers, sometimes rhetorically, and sometimes we legitimately want answers, and we do our best to fill in plot holes or ideas that we had uh, from the movie. Again, we really don't do our best. We have, we'll ask we'll ask a question, and the other person's like, eh, I don't know. All right, well, why don't you lead us off, and I'm going to try and answer. I promise I'll do my best to answer your questions, even though I guarantee I won't be able to. All right, so let's talk about the the backstory of just a general question. What is the deal with Christina? We've been putting it off, so let's just talk about it. Okay, I'm not going to be able to answer this one. (laughs) Okay, let me me run through all my notes relating to Christina, because it's like they call each other honey on the phone. Yep. She's been hiding letters from Lincoln Hawk to Michael for 12 years. Then she wants them to spend time together. Then she dies, and the priest at the funeral says, Christina Marie Cutler Hawk. Yeah. So they're still married, I guess? I th- it's just I th- a long separation? Yes, I do think that they were still married. And yet the gravestone just says Cutler. I missed that, really? It just says the word Cutler. It doesn't even have her first name. All right, so I, I'll, I'll so answer that one. It's the Cutler plot, presumably. Yeah, and that... Jason Cutler was probably paying for it, and he said, "I'm not putting <laughs> maybe I'm not putting a Hawkaroo's name on it." Yeah, and and then no, and then uh, Lincoln refers to himself as her husband at the hospital. Yep, when they're so are they really still married, and they're, they've been separated for a dozen years, and they uh, never got divorced? Honestly, that's what I took it is that he was estranged. Yes, but they never wanted to get a divorce. I I Even can't. He, he's not allowed to talk to his son. Yes. Okay. Well, then he definitely has custody rights, like guaranteed, right? Oh, no, that's what I think. He absolutely he. If you want to think if they were divorced, then it's like, oh, maybe there would he be wouldn't a, have his rights, or you know, it would have been yeah, maybe been dependent on what the visitation and or custody rights in that in the divorce settlement case said. Right. No, I do not think that they're divorced. I think he absolutely has every right to go pick him up at military school, and that's why the colonel says no. So, you know, he he does have the right to be here. 
Okay. So I, that's so hard to believe. It. <laughs> I, you're right. The, still time, married. the time makes no sense in the fact she's hiding letters. If you're hiding letters from him, why would why is this a person you wouldn't want to divorce? Yeah. It's it, none, none of it fits together. So, okay. Sorry. I failed at answering that one. No, I think uh, your answer is that they're still married, which is crazy and makes it doesn't make sense, but I think you're yeah. probably right. right. I answered it, but it does not make sense. All right. I got two questions from the opening with the limo driver. Mm-hmm. We're really the limo. Number one, does this movie even exist if Michael gets in that limo before the colonel's message gets yelled to him? Because if he gets in that limo, he's on the plane. Lincoln never picks him up. No movie. Yeah, I don't think the movie exists. Okay. I, think, I don't think Lincoln wants to be there. Well, he does. He wants, to be in, he wants to be in Michael's life, but I don't know if he's crazy about the way in which he's being, he's being reintroduced re- yeah. into his life. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine he would drive to L.A., I don't know, maybe if she's dying, maybe he would have shown up at the hospital, like, I'm your father, and then, oh, by the way, I'm going to this arm wrestling thing, you want to come? <laughs> you want to come to the Hilton in Las Vegas, <laughs> down by some of the most run-down garbage hotels on the Strip? <laughs> yeah, that was not a great time for Vegas, it was... Uh, not at all. Before I've, all the corporations cleaned it back up. Yeah, and I've, I've stayed at some of those garbage hotels on that end of the Strip uh, before they were torn down. Where, because the, the Hilton, I'm not familiar, I don't remember where the Hilton is. The Hilton has been rebranded, is actually a little bit... Let's see, the strip runs north and south, so it's towards McCarran a little bit, so I guess that's east, towards the northern end of the strip. That's the one with the big tower, right? Or it used to have the big tower. It's not uh, there anymore? Uh, the big tower is the stratosphere. That's no, no, all, no, no, no. all the way at the north. But no, yeah, the, the Hilton, and they're, they're, the con- actually what it was known for is that it did have a pretty good like conference convention center. Sure. Uh, and that's why things would go to the Hilton, because actually the uh, like the Star Trek... It had a Star Trek experience, and there were a lot of Star Trek conventions there. But it was down by the Riviera. It was down by Circus Circus, uh, Stardust. Almost all of these are gone. Stardust, Westward Ho. It it was all yeah. Even after the corporate old Vegas, yes, and even after the corporations took over, it started towards the center and the south, and has worked its way north. Yeah, I remember the first time we went, we went to Vegas, spending a lot of time with the Stardust because it's like this thing's gonna be gone in a year. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. I wanted to go there because the first sports book uh, was in the Stardust Casino. So but, wait, which so it's not the Hilton that has that tower. What what is? Do you remember in Diamonds Are Forever when James Bond climbs up a big yes ice fire in Vegas, uh, or like in Mars Attacks? I I think that might be the Hilton. I thought so. Yeah. Okay. But we don't see that in this movie, do we? We see the you just see the hotel. interior. You just see the interior, really, and you see him pulling up in his taxi, which I want to ask about that taxi. You see the hotel, the outside of the hotel. But I don't know if you see that spire or whatever that was. I okay, know. but I, I thought that was the Hilton, but I couldn't. I wasn't sure. All right, so one other thing about the limo. I want to know, so Michael goes in, gets the message, mm-hmm. goes with Lincoln. How long was that poor limo driver sitting there just waiting for Michael to come back? <laughs> I assume he was told that <laughs> you can go now. <laughs> well, I, don't, I did not assume that. Robert Lozier does show up at Eve- the eventually. military academy and complains. Yeah, but I would imagine furious. that that was hours later. Sure. Maybe a half a day later. You think that poor limo driver had to yeah, keep sitting there? Probably he did have to stay There's there. There's no cell phone. As soon as, yeah, he goes to a pay phone. He calls uh, his boss. He calls Rucker or Rooker. Yeah, it works its way up to Robert Loja, and he's just like, stay right there. I'm coming. And he flies in <laughs> in his private plane. I assume that's what happens. Yeah, he probably did have to stay there. He I mean, was I, probably there a long time. But I, I think he was in the loop. I'm sure they're military men. They're going to come out and right. make sure that the people are informed. All right. I would assume. All right. That's what I had on those. What, what else you got? All right. My question is related to their late arrival at the hospital. And it's not clear... The movie does not make this clear because they know when the surgery is. Like, oh, we gotta, we're yeah. going to be there. You know, her surgery is Wednesday. We're going to be there a, a day before. Apparently, whatever. it went early. 
That's my question. Are they late or did they move up the surgery? Because nobody makes that clear at all. I thought there was a reference in the dialogue, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I imagined it because, you know, maybe it's my mind trying to fill in the logic. I thought that somebody said that the surgery got moved up. Okay. When, I, when he I goes and talks, when they first go in and say, oh, I'm, I'm her husband, and, you know, I'm, for whatever room, I thought that there's a passing reference, but maybe not. But so my interpretation was that the surgery had been moved up and they had not been told, not that they were late. It so did, then it is probably unfair how Michael gets so mad at him of blaming him because how was he supposed to know the surgery was going to be moved up? Right. You'd think if the surgery was moved up, they would have explained why so that there'd be some, some kind of explanation. Just like, ah, we decided to do it early. Just on a whim, you know? Yeah, the doctor had a golf outing that he had to get to or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, if, if if there was something in the movie that caused them to be late, then you're right. Then I think that moment would have worked better where Michael's mad. Yeah. It's like, you, you made us late because you wanted to arm wrestle that guy. You know, whatever. <laughs> if, it, if it had been that. Because you needed to hustle another guy. Right. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Here's a question. After Lincoln picks up Michael and they're driving and Michael decides... He's going to jump out of the truck and run across the highway, which is where his sleeve gets ripped. Yes. Number one, if he doesn't want to be in this truck, why did he get in the truck? He could have jumped out a block from the limo and run to the limo. and, and Yeah, that makes no sense. He waits until he's on the highway and <laughs> jumps out. Why no. is he doing this? I, I guess be, the only thing I could explain away is that he gets orders from his colonel that he has to go with Lincoln but he didn't get orders that he has to stay with them. So maybe that's the logic is that pull over. That's, I'm going to be sick and I'm going to just make a break for it. That's, that's some quality devil's advocating. Uh, I, I'll accept that. Oh, thank you. I, I, yeah. Are you saying you're meeting me halfway? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. So here's, I've got a very, Relevant one for you. You ready? Okay. Are there left-handed arm wrestlers? And if so, can they demand a match with their left hand? This Everything you see, all of that stuff is set up for right-handed. I, I will jump ahead to my Silk Cozart segment. The answer is yes, there are left-handed arm wrestlers. Oh. And the reason why the tables are specifically set up for right-handed arm wrestlers is because the left-handed events happen on a different day. Really? I know both of these things for a fact. Can, so then can only left-handed competitors face off against each other? Yes. So is there you like a separate, up is there a separate a division? Is a separate division. Okay. Answered. Wow. That's, that's, that's facts. That's that, more than just speculation. That, that is as good as I think any <laughs> devil's advocate has ever been covered. I mean, luckily, I happen to look into these things wow. for a later segment. So. I have been rejected on that well, one. Well, I, I know this because I have a commentary about the state of actual professional arm wrestling. Okay. <laughs> I, I have a beef with the whole sports that relates to left hand, right hand, and all sorts of other things, but we'll get to that in a second. All right. Well, just a quick question, again, related to Las Vegas that I'm sure you have an answer to, or maybe you don't. Does the Nevada State Line sign actually say good luck? You are now entering Nevada. Good luck. <laughs> Which is something that I, I'll bet is real, but I thought was so comical. Oh, I missed it in this. And I'm trying to think because I have driven twice. I've driven twice, once from California and once from Arizona. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I hope it does. I hope that's real. That would be, a, a, that is outstanding. You know what? Even if it <laughs> it's, doesn't. It's almost menacing. Like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck good making luck. it out, chump. <laughs> so that's just a quick question I had. All right. 
Can I ask you this? Do taxis know where to go when someone says, take me to my estate in Bel Air? <laughs> he's that rich. That, obviously, he's, that, he's that famous. If you, do, do you remember it? If you go and watch, he says, take me to my estate in Bel Air. Michael says that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how quickly do they cut? Because maybe it's just cut, and then we're not seeing the part where the tax, the driver's just like, I don't know. Hey, hey, kid. I don't know where your estate is in Bel Air. Well, okay, here's my actual... Since, since we're committed to maybe answering these questions, yes. this is the first time he's ever been in a taxi cab, and he doesn't know how they work. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my answer. He, because, just, he thinks okay, that's wait, how everybody... I'm going to play this out, because the limo driver, you know... Probably is on staff. Sure. And he says, take me to the airport. Yeah, exactly. Take me to my estate in Bel Air. That's what he's accustomed to doing. He's accustomed that a professional limo driver on Cutler's staff knows just when I say, take me somewhere. He thinks that any driver in any vehicle, you just say, take me somewhere. Maybe he thinks that every taxi cab is under the employment of his grandfather. (laughs) Because every other driver that he's ever used has been, uh, you know, they, they all know who he is personally and know where he lives. All right, uh, are you done? Because I've got... Yeah, I think I'm done. All right, so i got two more. i got another one on a cab driver, so I'm going to ask this one while I'm thinking I'm on the cab driver. All right. So in Las Vegas, did that cab driver take advantage of a very naive Michael with the route from the airport? Because it takes him an inordinate amount of time yeah, to I get that from too. the McCarran Airport to the... You can, Th- I think you n- can see the Hilton from the McCarran Airport. There is no city that is designed to get you from the airport to the city center more quickly than Las Vegas. It's like literally the, the, the airport is right there. Wait. It's not like any other city where it's like, we've got to put the airport as far away from the buildings as possible. No, it's like light, right next to all the casinos. Yes. Could not be closer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he could have walked. He could have walked to the... Hilton for sure. Just he, he's he, already on the tarmac. He could have walked. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, he just hops a fence. <laughs> yeah, he's right on the strip. Okay. Or now you you said that you're gonna give them that Mike had money because my follow up was or did Mike get the last lap because he didn't have any money to pay for that inordinately long cab ride? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't remember the scene where he jumps out of the cab if he pays. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he just jumped out and ran again. He doesn't know how cabs work. Oh, you have to pay these men? <laughs> so, all right. So for then the, the scenes that you like uh, with the interviews, you know, by that truck with the, with the um, not performers, but the, the competitors. competitors. I got a question, and his name is Hurley. Bull Hurley. Yes. Hurley has a Las Vegas jail security officer hat on. So my question is, does he work jail security in Las Vegas, or is he a truck driver that breaks arms? I mean, he's at that truck stop at the beginning of the movie. So and he, said, he says he's a truck driver. Right. So which is it? Yeah, I wondered about that, too. He just happened to own this. Maybe he spent time in that prison. You know, he got that as a suit. And he, he took that. Well, like Stallone's hat. I don't know what that is, either. It's just like Bonoco or something. Yeah, I have no And idea. I tried to look up what that was. And all I could find was an Amazon link to, like, buy that hat. It's just like the over-the-top baseball <laughs> cap, trucker cap. <laughs> that doesn't answer anything. No, right? it did. I, I have no idea what that cap is, so... All right. Who knows what this, this one one more before we get to the Silk Cozart corner. Okay. Why does Cutler offer Hawk anything? He already has everything he wants. Yeah. What is the point of his offer? And it's a lot. It's a truck and five hundred thousand dollars. It's extremely generous. And I think the reason is Michael running away scared him. Oh. I actually did think about this. Okay. And I think you I know, can see that. He can legally control Lincoln, but he can't control Michael. And so it's just like 
So he bribes uh, he bribes Lincoln to run away so that now the threat is gone. Yeah, disappear. Because the original deal is stay out of the state. We'll drop the charges against you for smashing your truck into our house. But you know, you're gonna give up your rights to Michael and you're gonna never come back you're gonna leave the state and never come back. But now Michael's running out of running to right. Vegas. So technically Lincoln's not done anything wrong. He hasn't come back to California. Yeah. Michael Michael came to him. Right. He you're right. He so chased I, him. I think that's what it is. It's like right. I need you to disappear. Michael's gonna come find you. All right, so that, that's a good explanation. Here's a, here's an even more lucrative offer. It's pretty, I mean, it, it's pretty generous. He though. offers him more money than the prize money for the championship. He offers him the, a half million dollars and a truck, which is only the, the truck value in the competition was two hundred fifty thousand plus a hundred three fifty total prize. Yeah, plus he, his bet. He bet seven grand twenty to one. That's one hundred forty grand. Yeah, I don't even want to go back <laughs> you, to that. You didn't. You, you forgot that he did that because he hated. No, so I don't forget it. It's absurd that he bet that, but whatever. <laughs> he did, and so yes, he he gets a better deal. He is getting more in the offer from Cutler, even with betting everything he's he that owns, he has. Right, he's still getting more from from Robert yeah. Loja. Yeah, I don't know why he turns it down. Frankly, because at that point, Michael hasn't found him yet, right? So he doesn't know Michael's looking for him. I don't think. I think. I mean, we can find out. I'm tr- I just watched it, and I can't <laughs> so, remember. So did I. It's not surprising that it's turning to motion in our brains. No, yeah, because it is, it is he's, kind he, of... Uh, he's, he lost that match. He's got the trainer looking at him. No, it is, it's before. It's before Michael has found him. Because right. that inordinately long cab ride, I'm not sure if by the time that Cutler scene, I don't know if Michael is actually there yet. That is how long that cab takes him that... Yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think he's there yet. No, he's not. Because that cab ride is ridiculously long. It, that is like a six-hour cab ride. <laughs> right. For like a half-a-mile trip yes. or something like that. You, you're not being exaggerating yeah. that he could have walked from the tarmac, <laughs> no, it's, hopped the fence, and been at the Hilton. The airport is literally yes. one block over. All right. So I think, uh, I think we've covered uh, our devil's advocates, and now it's time for you to take it away with the Silk Cozart. Let's do it. Both of y'all. Yes, y'all. Go back to see what. So as you could guess from kind of, oh, well, this is the segment where I... Uh, Go into a deep dive over some tangential piece of internet trivia or research. And this, I'm sure you could guess based on what yes, I said before. You got I, some arm wrestling information. I wanted to find out about the real thing, the real arm wrestling championships. All right. It was difficult because the arm wrestling, it's the World Arm Wrestling Federation, the WAF. Their website stinks. <laughs> their YouTube channel stinks. <laughs> they are a badly run organization. I think it's clear... From and it, it, I tried to look up just the Wikipedia page about like oh the World Arm Wrestling Championships, very little information. You would think this organization would update these things. Like there's literally a table in the Wikipedia page that says this table is incomplete and like it lists the years that the competition occurred and doesn't show the champion of the oh, the man. highest weight class. It's just like incomplete data. So this this organization is doing a terrible job in in promoting the sport apparently. But, you know, I did what research I could. I wanted to learn about the real deal. Here's what I was kind of getting at with the left-hand, right-hand thing. All right. I think the reason why this sport, well, there's a couple of reasons. One is just not all that exciting, to be honest. But um, here, well, here's what I actually did. I, I found their YouTube page. In the YouTube, they have a YouTube account which shows events, and I actually scanned through some of it. Most of the preliminary rounds are literally just a static camera pointed at an arm wrestling table, and just people come up and leave and come up and leave, yeah. and it's just, there's no... It's like on com- a tripod. Yeah, literally, it's on a tripod. There's no commentary, there's no editing, it's just like an eight-hour video of people arm wrestling one after the other, or two after the other, after the other, after the other. Oh, man. You know, for eight hours. Eventually, I finally found a video that had commentary, and it was a championship. It was just the championships. I th- I'm pretty sure it was just 
the two finalists of each division. Okay. Here's the problem. There are 11 weight classes for men. There are seven weight classes for women. Times two for left arm, right arm. <laughs> times two for stand up or sit down. What? Times seven different age brackets equals 504 different champions. Oh, my God. That's too many. Way too many. That's, I can understand wanting to be fair, but 500 champions. There's 500 in total because it's like, you know, 11, that's 11 weight classes. That's a lot of weight classes. Yeah. And again, I, I get the idea of like, oh, if I'm... If I weigh, it's all in kilograms, so it's like, oh, if I weigh 81 kilograms, I'm going to get crushed by the guy who weighs 89 kilograms. I get it, but, you know, so it's every five kilograms as the weight classes. Gotcha. But, yeah, it was, it was literally, the, the video was five hours long, and it was because they had basically 500 events to get through, one after the other after the other. And the commentators, because there are so many different weight classes and stuff, it's just like, oh, uh, you know, Vitaly Romanov. Uh, it says here he wrestled. Arm there's no way, right? They don't no, know who these guys are. It's and, impossible to. And, have. Just, and it's just like, look at the concentration he's preparing. So yeah, but I watched a couple, and here, here's what actual arm wrestling, professional arm wrestling is. It's literally five minutes of two guys jockeying their wrists for position, and referee being like, rah, 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 "I'm giving you a warning," and then they step up away for a minute and go psych themselves up. Do get they get back a, in? Do they get a strap? They do have a strap. That oh, is real. Okay. I will say this movie is pretty realistic. Pr- relatively correct in terms of like it was pretty similar because it's, it, it's, it's in the movie when they slip off is when they're like, "Okay, go get the strap," which is exactly what happens in real arm wrestling. Is is there a crowd that just is going insane? There is absolutely no crowd. <laughs> even in, even when I was watching the championships, it was just like you can hear footsteps. <laughs> they're they're basically up on a little stage. Yeah, you know it's it's. So there's literally nobody there, though. When, when there'll be two guys arm wrestling or two women arm wrestling, well, first of all, to, to finish, the, the ref will try to, like, jockey their... They're both trying to basically cheat to get, like, more leverage, and the, yeah. refs, the ref's pointing their finger first to the one guy. The I'm other the guy. ref. I'm the ref. Then eventually, every, every single time this happened, every single match I watched, the ref would be like, all right, that's enough. Referee grip. And there's an official referee grip where the referee takes their hands and, like, carefully places their fingers. Your fingers go here. Your fingers go here. And then the referee doesn't let go until the thing starts. And then it's just like, go. And then boom, over. They don't even last as long as in the movie. Like in the movie, there's some like, oh, I'm going to lose. Oh, and like, you figure like each match in the movie lasts like 20 seconds. Yeah. In real armor wrestling, it's like a second. It's wow. Like, go, boom, I win. It's, it's, it's so it, not interesting. So the only people are cheering are just like, go, Jim. It's just like this guy's wife is here cheering. She's the only person making any, you know, any noise. Otherwise, it's just like murmurs of people just having their own conversations in the background. <laughs> Checking their phones. And this is the world. I was watching the World Championships. It, it was in, uh, uh, I forget where. It was in somewhere in the Eastern Bloc. Yeah. It was, you know, uh, like Slovenia or something. I don't know. I forget exactly where it was. So what you're saying is there's not a back and forth like an over the top. The only times where there was any kind of like when it wasn't over in a second is when they would like slip off each other. There'd be like a second of like, oh, they're equally matched, boom, they slip off. And then they put the strap on, and then once the strap is on, boom. Somebody just crushes just the other person. In a second. Yeah. yeah. So that was the one thing of just like, okay, this movie is ringing whatever drama is in the sport out yeah. of it. Um, I actually think the movie does a pretty good job mixing it up. Like that first arm wrestling match in the movie. Where it's like, he's losing, he's losing. Oh, but he gathers his strength, and then he comes back and he wins. And I was watching going like, that's going to be every single arm wrestling match, isn't it? Where Stallone's going to start losing, and then he's going to come back. And actually, no. He crushes that one guy. He crushes Bosco. <laughs> yeah. And Bosco's not. He wasn't ready. That's right. He wasn't. I wasn't ready. You're not allowed to complain to the referees. No, no. you're not. I've, I've, I've 
I pulled some. I pulled up the official rule book, and I pulled some interesting. Uh, I found some interesting rules. But anyway, just to give this movie some credit, like I think they found whatever drama there is in this sport. They managed. To, they managed to make it more dramatic than the actual sport. You yeah. wouldn't think it watching this movie, but it's actually true. So right. I'll give the movie some credit. So okay, a handful of rules that I just thought were interesting or amusing. Okay. 1.4 weigh-ins. There is no clothing allowance. Therefore, weigh-ins will be done in the nude if an athlete wishes to qualify for a certain weight class. Without prejudice or bias, if an athlete has an artificial limb or limbs, they must weigh in with them with them on if they wish to compete with them on. Which is such a specific thing that I, obviously they must have run into this at some point. Yeah. Like, it made me imagine some kind of horrible uh, post-apocalyptic future where arm wrestlers in order to qualify for a lower class are just like cutting off their limbs. Oh, like, you know what I mean? The most extreme arm wrestling. Now I weigh 10 pounds less because I cut off my legs. So now I can beat that guy. Okay, so uh, 2.14.2 uniforms. Only short sleeve or sleeveless shirts and sport pants. No jeans allowed during the competition. So poor Lincoln Hawk, he would have lost his prize money for wearing jeans. Oh yeah, and the polo guy wouldn't have been able to compete. It's got sleeves. Uh, it says only short sleeve or sleeveless. Oh, so I think short I, sleeve. Never mind. Okay. I think that yeah. would have qualified. Yeah, no, I would. And then it says limited advertising is allowed on shirts only. <laughs> Everybody would have been disqualified for that. I don't know what limited advertising is, but. Well, I think that I'll answer that question. You can't be like a NASCAR and have more than one sponsor on. So I think everybody would have been okay because <laughs> it was just one thing that they were hawking. That's plausible. I mean, maybe that's what that means. Okay. So rules of the tournament. Here's some like actual rules. Right and left arm events will be held on separate days. That answers your question. Wrist wraps, straps, elbow bandages slash supports or cups, protective wraps, rings or bangles are not permitted on arms. Asterisk. An arm is defined as that portion of the body starting from the shoulder and continuing on and ending at the fingertips. <laughs> I, I would love to know why that had to be. A, you know that they put that in the rule book because someone tried to, def, to argue that the definition of what an arm is. <laughs> it's not on my arm. This isn't part of the arm. It's finger. my finger. Yeah, his finger's not part of the arm. It's part of the hand. You know somebody did that, so they had to define <laughs> in the rule book. I, I found that funny. Okay, poor sportsmanship will not be tolerated and could lead to being barred from the tournament. So a punch in the face, for instance. Yeah, Bull Hurley's out. Just punches him in the face. Nobody does anything. There's nine refs there. They don't, they don't even warn him. Uh, okay, this I found interesting. There will be a 50 euro charge to hear a protest. If the protest is upheld, the 50 euros is returned. If the protest is denied, the 50 euros is kept by the World Arm Wrestling Federation. All protests will be handled offstage at the secretary table with a 100-euro penalty for breaking this rule. Do you think that's how the entire federation gets funded? Is by, <laughs> by is people like arguing? Arguing and then just, wait a minute, how much money do we actually need in the coffers? Just keep denying them. I'll say from the brief videos that I watched, everyone was very civil and sportsmanlike, and when guys lose, they'd shake the guy's hand. And, oh, okay. Well, I, actually, I didn't even think about this until this moment. In the movie, the final match, they have the strap on, right? Yep. Because it always made me laugh watching the real thing when they would have to put the strap on. The refs would put the strap on, and then someone would win. And then he, like, can't celebrate until they untie him. <laughs> they have to, like, extricate these two guys. You're right. So the movie just cheated that, right? No. Stolen went, yeah, and then he's just up and he's cheering. There's no moment where they have to, like, t- untie him from Bull, right? I think he puts his left arm up in celebration. So, no, I think that... There's it, a moment where they untie them? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I don't know if you see it, 
But his first celebration is he puts up his left arm. I, I, I think you do get that. And then you, you cut away, and they've somehow already gotten him out of I it. I just thought, found it amusing in the actual matches that I watched. The guy is like patiently like, I can't. I'm tired to this guy. I can't really celebrate yet. And they just shake hands, and they'd be like, yeah, as he walks off. Yeah. So, uh, okay. And then there's one more rule I wanted to bring up. Let me find it. Okay. This is an important one. All right. Anyone with long hair will have to have their hair restrained in some fashion. Headbands are permitted, but not hats. Lincoln. Yes. He could, he'd have no switch. There's no switch. Because, I mean, if he uses a headband, it's the same whether it's backwards or forwards. You just keep spinning that headband around. It does nothing for you. Right. It would have to be a headband with, like, a front and a back, a dedicated front <laughs> Can and a back. Can I ask you this? It would be like one of those accounting hats, like the green. Yes, the visor? Yeah, the visor. Can I ask you this? Was there a date on that rule book? Or what I'm getting at is, do you think that because they disliked this movie, they changed the rules to make no hats allowed? <laughs> Everybody was coming, turning their hats backwards? Do you think that's why? <laughs> Trying to turn a switch to be like a machine. Do you think actual arm wrestlers like this movie or hate this movie? Oh, I think they hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's, it's relatively faithful, I will say. Like, it's, it doesn't yeah, try to like but, but, glam up the arm wrestling with some kind of fakey... Oh, rule set. I, maybe not that, but you got a guy drinking Valvoline. <laughs> well, yes. You've got Once the competition starts, it's actually pretty much real arm wrestling. All right. The crowd, there's no crowd that big. No one is, you know, the, I, the events aren't But we've that talked about exciting. this so many times. It is great how just crowds and movies, when you really think about it, you do a podcast like this and you break it down, just how crazy that crowds go for in movies for things that there's no realistic way that that would ever happen. Yeah, but you know what? We said that about bodybuilding when we covered uh, both Stay Hungry and uh, uh, Pumping Iron. <laughs> We're like, there's no way that real bodybuilding competitions are like that. But then you watch it, and it's like, those things really drew those kind of crowds. So I kind of expected this to be the same thing. I was like, oh, maybe it's just a subculture that... We don't. We see. are not familiar with. Yeah. But then I, the thing is that all the cameras. There's no way to tell how big the crowds are from the actual. It just yeah noise. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the just a way. sound. You're all you're seeing is the stage where they're arm wrestling. Yeah. So they never show the crowd, which tells me that nobody's there. Even the people who are way into it just kind of show up and sit quietly and kind of like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> you know, right. nobody was going crazy. When well, they certainly are going crazy at the Las Vegas Hilton. <laughs> yes, and the, this movie. It's funny how like, it seemed like the crowd was like ninety percent old ladies. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> it seemed like it from just a little bit of glimpses you see. Oh. Maybe that's just, that's the appeal of it. It's just Stop or my mom will shoot. Lonely housewives. That's who goes to these things, apparently. All right, let's go into the body count. Yeah, what we're here for. Uh, so there was a body count of one. What? What? Who else do you have? Oh, Christina, I forgot. Yeah, Christina dies of yes. complications from surgery. Which right, is, it's off screen. Which I think is a first. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it is an absolute first. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had complications from surgery on this podcast before. Yeah. But yeah, she dies off screen, but she's a character in the movie. So Yes, but for Stallone, you, uh, you're not blaming him, right? <laughs> no, I don't think she's heartbroken or anything. <laughs> oh, that's great, a broken heart. I don't think he should uh, get this. So anyway, yeah, this segment we're comparing uh, Stallone's uh, average body count per movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold... Uh, by our estimation, ended with an average body count of 14.76. Uh, Stallone had no kills in this movie, so he's still at 213 across 15 movies, which gives him an average of 14.2. Wow. He officially dropped below Schwarzenegger on the there average body count, so it's officially a horse race now. All right. Uh, they're basically neck and neck. Looking forward to the this, rest of this playing out. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. This is, this is already the fifth movie we've done where Stallone doesn't kill anybody. Well, because his filmography is so broad, I expect there's going to be a lot. Yeah. 
that's again, it's going to have to be Rambo's going to have to carry the load and we'll see, uh, yeah. the, well, first blood part two will be the next Rambo we cover, presumably. So that'll be <laughs> a lot's going to depend on that. I think. Yeah. All right. Reckoning reward. What do you got? Well, this is easy for me. The guy literally wrecked a house with a truck. It's, it's <laughs> that, Lincoln Hawk. That's true. And I did consider that in my in weighing my decision. I'm trying to guess who you went with. If not, Sylvester Stallone is Lincoln Hawk. I went with the character who wrecked 12 years of a father-son relationship, Christina. <laughs> you gave it to the person who's barely in the movie. She wrecked their relationship. She, she hid his letters inexplicably, inexplicably. There's no reason given, but she did it. All right. So Christina gets it for me. I can understand that. I I, I respect that choice. She, she wrecked his childhood, Michael's it, childhood. I, I took the, the easy, the most literal of <laughs> he rammed a gate and a house, but I, I, I respect your choice. Houses can be rebuilt. They'll never get those 12 years of their That's, relationship that back. That is absolutely true. <laughs> okay. All right. And All right. so for our last segment... Uh, a Rocky rating where we try and use the opponents from all of the Rocky films to come up with our individual rating for the movie that we just watched. That's right. That's hey, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're punching car accident victims. No, 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 you don't understand. He was bad-mouthing my film. Well, I'm not going to bad-mouth this one. This one was my first Ivan Drago, and I am going to stand by that. I can't believe you gave this an Ivan Drago and not the yes. specialist. Those no seem totally flipped to me. No. The, the Specialist is a movie that cannot be taken seriously on any level. And this is a movie that I think is relatively sincere in a way that I think works on its own terms in a You lot of have ways. two mashed up storylines. Sure. Basically, music video to music video with songs like Meet Me Halfway and arm wrestling just sprinkled in and then a little bit in the beginning and then just tacked on in the last third of a movie. Absolutely, Ivan Drago. For me. Here's the thing. I think each half of the movie works relatively well, even though I think the arm wrestling stuff needed a couple extra obstacles, needed to be more of a sports movie with some training and some like setbacks or whatever. Yeah. But I'm, I really think that the movie makes arm wrestling as interesting as it can possibly be, which is granted not, still not very interesting. That's why it's Ivan Drago. Why did they choose arm wrestling? It no, doesn't make fair. any sense. Why? Because he sits in a truck and he can set up a little weight thing? That's not what I mean by training. Like, a training montage isn't just... Like, in Rocky, it's not just Rocky lifting weights for three minutes. I needed to understand what makes him so great an arm wrestler. I agree, but that's what I'm saying, is that it's because they chose arm wrestling is absurd. There's nothing that you can probably show. Yeah, but I, but I am so impressed at how not terrible it is because it's arm wrestling. That's my point. I know it's faint praise, but it's like... Is this a Mason Dixon? Is that what you're trying to convince me? That you're absolutely right. That's I, I, gave, right. I gave it a Mason Dixon. Um, and we basically just swapped specialist and uh, and over the top in terms of our ratings. Yeah, I, I whatever. I it's amazing that this movie works as well as it does. It shouldn't work at all. And I'm I'm actually kind of invested in their story. I'm rooting for the father son relationship. I think that stuff works pretty well. All right. There's some touching moments. The scene in the jail where the kid comes in and just like Eddie's, you know, Michael, and they kind of. Yeah. He, he, he thinks it's the last time he's going to see him, and it's kind of it's touching. I think it's genuinely touching. I think there are a couple little moments along the way, like the the part where they're going to sleep in the, ta- in the in the truck cab, and he's like, you know, you can put your head on my shoulder if you want. And then in the morning, Stallone's got his head on Michael's All right, shoulder. That was a nice moment. It's cute. It's a cute okay, moment. Then you have random kidnappers and a chase sequence with a with a semi chasing a pickup yeah, truck. You don't need that stuff. It's, 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 there's, there's too much stupid stuff in this movie. I agree. But it's, fun, stupid. but it's fun. Here's what, where I think the yin and the yang of this is. 
half of the movie works and half of the movie doesn't. You're looking at the part of the movie that doesn't work and saying, ah, it's stupid and funny and hilarious, and that's that's the part you're focusing on. Yes. And I'm looking at the half that, right. that, that is good and actually works, and I'm praising it for that. I should have done this a long time ago, but I'm just going to ask the audience at Arms Race Podcast where they think, between the two of us, this movie falls. And I'm going to bet you that most people... They're going to say, no, absolutely. Over the Top is a movie that Stallone should be embarrassed that he's in, that it's a stupid movie, but it's a lot of fun. Stallone's got worse movies than this. Yeah. I, I think we're going to... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Wretched and Clank, if nothing else. Well, I'm not, But that's I'm not, not really his movie either. No. He, he barely was in that movie. So we agree this movie is... Basically, this movie is half trash and half decent. Yeah. But you enjoy the trash, and I enjoy the decent part. Yeah. Well, I... Here, here. I feel like there's some there's some way we can meet in the middle. I mean, I, I mean, are you just saying? I, 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 yeah, I think there's maybe uh, something that can save us from this dilemma. What do you think? Oh, <laughs> damn it! I'm like totally in the wrong place now. There it is. Across the sky. Why are you meeting across the sky? Let's find out. It's so great. You know how you said we had to do it one more time that you bought the special or you were going to buy the specials, which I can confirm that you did because I saw it the other day. <laughs> That's right. I am I am tempted that I need like this song on my playlist that I need to own this song. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so where where are we? Uh, are, we are we done rating? Uh, we are done rating, and that's uh, that's the show. So we need to. I would say we'd move on to the portion where I got to make the next selection. This over the top was yours. Yep. But. The die has been cast because we are now at the end of season one, so we are moving to another Rocky movie. Are we calling this season one or season five? Because I think we retroactively considered the first four seasons of of Bad Punch oh, Machine. Oh, season Guns. five. You're right. Uh, so then I, we'll, we'll call we, it, we haven't figured any of this stuff out. Even even eleven episodes into this season thing. one of Stallone. How about sure. that? Season uh, five overall. So it will be Rocky two, which uh, is one that I think. I'm more familiar with than I think, based on our discussions, because everything with Mickey that I thought was in Rocky apparently is in Rocky Two. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about Rocky Two. I it's it's one that I th- I think I enjoy more than I should. I think it's one it's it's a and we'll talk about it in the next episode. But you know, I'm way more excited to talk about Rocky Two than I am to talk about Rocky. There's so much good and bad to talk about. It's almost it's almost like uh, over the top. All right, there's some good stuff and there's some bad stuff. And in the end, it comes out ahead. I don't, I don't remember it that well, so I'm looking forward to doing it. And it's, it's better than over top, to be clear. I'm not saying that they're equal. I'm just saying yeah, I, I understand. They're, that. Sim- they're similar in that. If nothing else, Apollo Creed is better than anything in over the top. So that I'm not surprised in, in the least. Yeah, I really like Rocky too. I, it's, I think it's, it's, it's probably the one Rocky movie that doesn't really have an identity of its own. It's just like, yeah, oh, it's, that. it's the second one. <laughs> you know, at least Rocky three has Clubber Lang and Rocky four is Ivan Drago and like five is like the one everyone hates. So, you know, every yeah. every Rocky movie has an identity of its own except for Rocky two, which is like they did it again. They made another one. Like that's, that's identity <laughs> basically kind of. what it is. So uh, I think it does get it, kind of pushed it, to the side. Yeah. And ignored. But I, I really love Rocky. Two. Well, I'm looking forward to more Burgess Meredith. So, oh, we're going to get a lot of Burgess. Meredith. Yeah. And that's what I, I must have seen Rocky two more than I remember because I thought a lot of Burgess Meredith was in Rocky and it's not. Bur- Mickey is in Rocky two so much. They may as well have called it Mickey. It is the <laughs> Mickey showcase. 
in a way that you think Rocky One's going to be. We talked about it on that episode. Yeah. It's like, Mickey's not in this much. Yeah. Rocky Two is where Mickey shines. Right. Well, you should be feeling good, too, because I know you were really bummed out, almost wanting to just tear up the podcast after Ratchet and Clank. But I gotta say, no, after I, don't, I don't know if that's. I was oh, I was speaking in anger. You were certainly alluding to that. I, I was I was upset. But I'd say after over the top and now Rocky Two, you should be feeling pretty good about this. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching Rocky Two. Yeah, Rocky Two is gonna be a lot of fun. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, join us next time. We'll be back with Rocky Two. In a life.